0: Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host and Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who sometimes he's crazy and I wonder why he's such a baby, because the Seahawks make him cry. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate.
1: Hola, Ben how are you?
0: I almost went with a different beginning. I was gonna I was gonna say I almost uh, he, here's the man who every time i bring up the notion of him sliding into the main host chair for an episode or two to give <laughs> me a break he says i only want to be with you <laughs> almost did that 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 seemed too dad joke all right um it was it was pretty dad joke it was, it was pretty dad joke so we've got a couple other guests for this episode so joining us again as a repeat revisitor who you might remember from episodes including our episodes on the national johnny cash and david bowie uh he might have changed his name recently but i'm still calling him fairweather johnson here's the man who liked the braves in 95 here's jeff frame hey thanks
2: for having me ben i'm happy to be back
0: also joining us as a longtime listener of the podcast who actually prompted this episode He's also a singer-songwriter from central Pennsylvania, and uh, he sometimes goes by Ryan Matthew, but welcome to the podcast, Ryan Humbertson.
3: Hey, no, thanks. Such a pleasure to be here. Huge fan of the podcast, uh, huge fan of Hooting the Blowfish in general, and just, just excited to, uh, to be here, for sure.
0: Absolutely. And Wayne, that's not to be confused with recent guest Matthew Ryan. No. Not to be confused. Not to be confused. All right. So last but not least, we have a special guest who, if we did the podcast in 2010, his album Nowhere Nights would have been my most listened to album of that year. He recently released a live album called Wednesday Night Round 9. Please welcome to the podcast Casey Anderson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh i I was I was gonna say so. Welcome to the podcast, Jason Earls' doppelganger, Casey Anderson.
4: Yeah, man, we just did a tape. We taped a, an episode of the Marinade not that long ago, and we did it. We did the interview via Zoom, and it was like looking in a mirror. It was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I love Jason. He is a fellow Central Florida podcaster. He was just on our podcast uh, a couple weeks ago doing a frightened rabbit record. So.
4: Oh, Love. cool. And I'm, I'm glad to know that uh, Matthew Ryan was on this. I'm always like three tour stops behind Matthew Ryan whenever <laughs> we're both out on tour. So this is in keeping with tradition. It's, it's wonderful.
0: We did an a Unforgettable Fire episode <laughs> with him and uh, Nielsen Hubbard. Oh, cool. Yeah, That's
4: great. Yeah,
0: it's good. All right. Um, well, we need to get started with the T-shirt question. So uh, I always start with Wayne. So what T-shirt are you wearing?
1: Uh well, Hootie and the Blowfish were huge in the '90s, and I'm wearing a T-shirt for a band that should have been huge in the '90s. Mother Love Bob. All
0: right, Ryan, how about you? What T-shirt are you wearing?
3: Yeah, Ben, I uh, this was tough. I have a lot of T-shirts that I thought would work well for this. I almost wore my Glenn Phillips Squirrel Sessions T-shirt, if you know what that is. Yeah. Uh, but I'm currently wearing uh, and I'm currently wearing my Toad the Wet Sprocket Dulcinea tour T-shirt from that tour because Dulcinea is absolutely one of my favorite albums. And Hootie actually played, Hootie and the played a tour uh, with Toad uh, in 19, you know, 1995 at, at Rec Hall at Penn State University. And it was an amazing show. So I'm wearing the t-shirt from that tour. Are you rubbing it in that you still have your Dulcinea t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, I love that episode that you guys did. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, it, it's my Desert Island CD uh, when you talk about, hey, you can only take five CDs to the desert island. Not only is it in that five, it's if I have to go down to one, it's my it's my desert island CD.
0: Yeah, we I think- we I I love that episode from the standpoint, Jeff, that Glenn actually listened to it and said <laughs> that I, I I don't know I don't even know I don't even want to bash on Wayne, but. <laughs> You know. (laughs) It was fun to do an episode
2: with Glenn after the fact. I think I felt like Ryan was rubbing it in that he can still fit into his Dulcinea t shirt, (laughs) let alone if he has it or not. So that's where it that's where it hit me a little hard. So
3: actually I think um, he's rubbing it in. You know what? That's a great point, Jeff. I so this is the first time I have physically put it on in at least ten years. (laughs) I probably weigh eighty pounds more today than when I bought it. So it is, very this, is why he, this is why he has his camera disabled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I was this is exactly I was say. the reason um, why it's it. I cannot go out in public in this at the moment. But, um, you know, it just feels it takes me back to that show and how amazing. I mean, Darius came out and sang crowing with Toad very and also came out and saying, we'll not take these things for granted that night. It was it was amazing. So. I was going to wear a hoodie T-shirt, but I feel like I had to mix it up a little bit
4: and went with the Toad shirt.
3: Okay.
0: Excellent. Casey, how about you? What T-shirt are you wearing?
4: Uh, well, I'm wearing a hoodie. I'm wearing a uh, Bob Dylan Blood on the Tracks hoodie, which uh, I put on this morning without realizing or without remembering that there's that, you know, that, that Darius kind of lifted a couple lines from Dylan in, uh, in Only Want to Be With You. And then there was some, I wasn't there like a legal thing? There was. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Dylan didn't he get sued or they, didn't um, Dylan take action? If they I settled read out of court. Yeah, and if
3: you guys can correct me, I think they had to pay him a hundred thousand dollars for the rights to that. I could be wrong. I think he got songwriting something credits. Happened. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So yeah, so the four That's have wrong, songwriter geez. credits all through except for that song for Dylan. Right. Wow. Excellent.
4: But yeah, I so so it turned out to be an appropriate choice. Oh yeah. Love it.
0: I love it. All right, Jeff. How about you? What t shirt are you wearing?
4: I,
2: I put no thought in. I got stuck in bad traffic at home. There was an overturned big rig, so I just scrambled upstairs and and threw on my uh, Ice Cube t shirt. Uh, I get it wasn't a good day either, so I don't. It doesn't even make sense for that. It has no specific uh, link to what we're doing. It wasn't a good day. Um, it's called manifesting, Jeff. Day's not that, over. That's it. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm manifesting the rest of the way. The rest right of the evening is going to go, Casey. I think yeah, that, that that's might right. be the way to do it. So it's all about. It's all about the attitude, I think, uh, that I was feeling
0: as I went to my t-shirts. Absolutely. So I feel nice feeling attitude after that drive. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I am wearing a hoodie t-shirt, so I am being that guy <laughs> wearing a t-shirt of the band that we're going to talk about. So, I only have one that fits, and I, I'm saving that for uh, Mark Bryan, so uh, I, I'm going to be that guy on that show. All right. You're already giving it away.
3: Oh, you're, sorry. You're... Am I
2: not supposed to... Sorry, you can
0: well that i mean the, the the cat's out of the bag now so not only are we doing a hootie episode talking about one of their albums but we are going to have mark brian from hootie and the blowfish on in a couple weeks oh cool and um nice. he is he picked a record that wayne and i have wanted to do for what at least a year and a half
1: oh yeah at least
0: so um should,
2: and, that we, and that we talked about tangentially doing with uh, Randy from Toad. That was one okay, of Okay, we're not
0: going to give that one away. We're not going to give the album no, choice right. away, Jed. But I'm just saying, tangentially, <laughs> we were talking about Toad as well. Randy had also picked that album. <laughs> he did.
2: Possibility, and we did
0: REM instead. Is yes. it my album,
4: Nowhere Nights? very close close. Uh, no
0: No, but i would love i would love to do an episode on that one maybe maybe we just need to have you come back casey and you can rank your own songs sure and help and help us with it because i I do i do and i'm not just pandering when i said that i played the crap out of that record back in 2010 um and i still go back to it uh, you know even with the amount of uh cds and records that i keep purchasing at a (laughs) rapid clip lately um i i still go back to it it's it's a fantastic record thank you with having five people on the podcast for this episode i am going to have a hard time getting in all of the typical interview questions so um and also when we get to the track by track i want to make sure that everybody gets their say in as as needed so, so please make sure that you um, just let me know that you wanna ch- you want to you want to talk about a particular song. Um, should, we do, should we do
2: hand raising? Is that what you we, we want? Well,
0: to do? we would, but Ryan, Ryan again, <laughs> you know, no camera for Ryan, so
2: Ryan
0: sausaged himself into his so T-shirt and
3: uh, efforting. <laughs> I know. I pressed, I pressed the right buttons. I thought it's not working. It, you
0: know what? It's all good. Technology is not always our friend. Um, all right, so so Casey, let me start with you. Sure. So I ju- so I just had the opportunity to listen to that episode with Jason Earl. I'm glad to hear that you that the your definition of retirement is not necessarily being completely done with music cuz I thought that I don't remember if it was on Twitter if it was on another podcast that I heard of you uh, th- that you were on but you had mentioned that you were retiring and I'm glad that your definition is really just I'm going to make music at my own speed now.
4: Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think that, I mean, we're at, we're at different levels, certainly in terms of fans in our careers, but, um, Yasin Bey, who, uh, who recorded albums under the name Most Deaf for a while, announced his retirement as well, but has gone on since on a podcast and just said, I'm retiring from the music business as it's currently structured. Yeah. Uh, And that's what I'm doing as well. I'm retiring from the expectations that are put on artists by people outside the artists that, you work on a certain schedule, you do things a certain way. Um, that doesn't make sense for, for me where where I am in my life right now. And so, you know, I have a record that um, will be out early next year. I, I did the the re-release of Let the Bloody Moon Rise and then put out yeah. the live record this year. And then um, I have a record coming out next year that I wrote to be very much the sequel to Nowhere Nights. Um, Excellent. Kind of Nowhere Nights 10 years on. And then I'll I'll go from there. I'll do what makes sense for me after that.
0: So in other words, there's not going to be these long thirty day tours across across the U.S. playing in every dive bar, playing in Augusta, Georgia, that kind of thing.
4: Yeah, yeah, that yeah that that doesn't make sense for me um, anymore. Yeah. And I don't. I sa- I think I said this e- either on Jason's show or I said it on a tweet. Like, not only do I not have the desire to make a living solely as a musician, I don't know that I could. I mean, the amount that I would have to work in order to sustain myself as a musician right now would mean that I would not see my wife or child. And I don't, and my kid is seven months old, Mm. you know, my wife and I have have been married just a few years. So I don't want to put myself in a position where I have to work 300 days a year just so that I can contribute my part of the rent or whatever. Um, So there won't be, (laughs) there won't be two month tours where I play every stop. And I think that, um, you know, the last 18 months of, of life in this country and across the world have made a lot of artists think like, Oh, you know what? I might not do, I might not work eight months a year. Someone might have to drive 45 minutes to see my show if they really want to see my show. And that's, you know, like I know that that sounds ungrateful to say that, but if someone wants to see me play, they might have to drive from Dubuque to Chicago to see the Chicago gig because I know the Chicago gig is there's going to be people at it. There won't be people, you know, there'll be four people at the gig in
0: Iowa. That's your way of saying I'm never going to come to Florida again for another stop. <laughs> that's that's really that's really what I heard, Casey. Between Jason and I, we'd get at least 14 people there for a show for you.
4: What's that uh, what's that cool there's that cool club that's in Florida? I do want to come back and play that place. Which Oh um, man, it's the one that's closest to Jason. Will's pub. Yeah, Will's pub is great. We love will Will's co- pub. I will come back and play Will's pub. That's a promise. Okay. We'll
0: pack. We'll pack it for you. We'll bring all okay. of our friends for it. absolutely. Deal. And if you need to you know, if you if I need to kick one of my kids out of one of their beds for the night,
4: you can stay here. Great. That's uh, my one. Well, my one of my main things is is displacing children <laughs> while on tour. I think that adds to the mystique that I've already created for myself. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> no. All right. Well, Jeff,
0: I needed. I need to get to to you because if you notice in the introduction i introduced you as jeff frame right but for previous episodes that we did you were jeff johnson yeah so so give give us the readers digest condensed version of your story or should we just refer them over to the your your podcast and tell them tell them to listen to a specific episode?
2: Well, I think for the longer version, if you go to my podcast, go to Who Did It First? Um, and there's two episodes. That uh, One is uh, Who Did It First? Jeff's Dad, uh, where I talk about finding out about my dad for the first time, that it wasn't my dad and that another guy was my dad at, at the age of 40. That's an interesting episode. And then um, we just recorded an episode that I'm guessing will be out by the time uh, this one is. That's uh, Who Did It First? Jeff's last name, new last name. And so... That one goes a little in deeper. That one has some trigger warnings uh, placed at the top, you know, about abuse and things like that. The short story, yeah. the short Reader's Digest version, is I actually found out when I was forty that I was born as Jeff Frame. That was my grandparents' last name was Frame. Uh, I was adopted by one guy that my mom married. Uh, they were married for a few years, and then they divorced. And then she had me be adopted by my second stepdad as Johnson, and I, I was stuck with that name for all these years. And he was abusive, and I just didn't want to do that anymore. So it's a big healing process for me. It's just, you know, that's part of being a, a, a comedian, I guess, is having having some sort of dark past <laughs> that uh, makes you want yeah. to get up on stage and make people laugh, I guess, is part of it. And uh, so, yeah, there's. I think that, that episode, if you're interested in that, definitely Jeff's new last name, Who Did It First, is going to answer some of that. The rest of our episodes are just fun and games, uh, a lot of comedy, a lot of, uh, you know, interesting fun facts but but those two dive a little bit more into my history so uh yeah that's that's i don't know i guess that's it you you know the story so did i leave anything out that is needed or
0: yeah i i would just say refer back to your podcast for the entire story because look when when you finally write that that comedy slash neil brennan three mics type (laughs) special which which you know I'm going to be helping you write. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's going to be it, it's going to be pretty pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, I definitely. Wanna That's st- all I can say. I, I want to start working on a solo show, uh, basically, rather than just straight stand up, but something more of a solo yeah. show. And uh, you know, they used to call them one man shows, but uh, I think they've taken taken to calling solo shows. So I, I'd like to I'd like to do that at some point. I've got a lot of I've got a lot of funny stuff too. I deal with it in a funny way. I was You know, I put in that Facebook post that uh, I was born a bastard like Jon Snow and Alexander Hamilton, you know. So I've still got a sense of humor about all of it. I just, you know, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And now I finally have the name I was born with, and I get to honor my grandparents. Um, My whole family changed their name um, along with me, my wife, my kids. uh, You know, it's... It's, it's an important thing to us, but, uh, you know, it's tricky at 46 to start changing your name. There's a lot of work that goes yeah. into it, but we went to court and did the first part, and now the rest of it is paperwork.
0: So the fact that I've been calling you a bastard for 30 years, yeah. it's kind of true. Totally legit. Okay. So. All right. All right. Uh, Ryan. Yes. Um, so, so, so tell me how you got introduced to the podcast, because you are... You're a listener, and and you you brought up the fact to 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 me months and months ago, and said if you guys ever do a hootie episode, I'm in. Yeah. So
3: yeah, sure. So um, a friend of mine uh, texted me a copy of the Peter Gabriel So podcast with uh, Glenn, right? And I was just amazed that you could just you know of what you guys do to sit and go through an album and dissect and talk about everything from the chords and the melody to the, to the meaning of the song and what it meant to you and different stories. And it just hit me like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, you know, I would love to, to have a small part of this or be, be on one of these episodes and talk about this. And I have, you know, all this background with, with and the Blowfish, with some different stories and things that have happened, happened to me over the years. And I'll tell you what, Ben and Wayne, you know, in listening to you guys, I realize how much music I don't know. Is from listening to you guys. Like I, you know, I went through and listened to a bunch of Wilco because I was like, wait, wait a minute. I don't know a lot about Wilco, <laughs> you know, and, and the Bronson Arroyo episode with Pearl Jam. I mean, was fantastic. I had met him before and knew him because he played baseball in my hometown of Altoona, Pennsylvania. And yeah. Casey, you know, Casey today, I spent all day listening to some depression and down Lucene and from let the bloody moon ride. I mean, you know, Casey, awesome, awesome, awesome talent. You know, that I honestly didn't know a lot about your music until this came up. And, you know, Casey, I can hear sort of like a sort of air church, kid rock type stuff in your voice that, oh my gosh, just, you just killed it. You just kill it. Like, I would love to see your show. Uh, I just think you're amazing. And, uh, but Ben, you're going to have to travel an extra 45 yeah, minutes, yeah, according to Casey, minutes, in order to do it. So, Casey, you're not going to see it in Iowa. And, that's for sure. and, and, Casey, I mean, and here's the thing I'm going to have to wear this, like, super like tight shirt, I guess. I mean, just so he can make fun of me right over the stage and be like, yeah, I know this guy. Look at that guy, that idiot out there in the Dulcinea t shirt. He you know, shouldn't be wearing that. But, uh, no, Ben, just super excited. I mean, just what you guys do. You know, uh, I love it. Uh, I'm almost through all of all of the episodes, you know, as best that I can, and uh, just super excited to be here and try to share a little bit of, you know, a little bit of color, a little bit of background stories uh, from having hung out with this band over the years and have gotten to know them a little bit, a little bit, you know, not like we're buddies, but but I've had some yeah. really cool things that I could share.
0: Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah and and you brought up you brought up the point Ryan about how um you know I'm still learning music i i got to tell you and, and Wayne Wayne can attest to this as well when we have guests who refer their friends over to us and then i listen to their friends and i'm like oh my gosh where is that where's that record been for the last mm-hmm. couple of years I, I i'm always overwhelmed by the the sheer amount of of great music out there. Mm-hmm. And for people who have that, you know, the FOMO, the, the fear of missing out, um, issues, like it, it, it can be overwhelming, uh, when it comes to, to music. Cause there is a lot out there that I just don't know
3: yeah, I mean, for example, you know, Ben, before I listened to your guys' podcast, I never really listened to Red Wanting Blue or the Gaslight Anthem or a lot of Matt Nathanson, um, Carbon Leaf. I mean, my gosh, I made a whole playlist, you know, on Spotify of, of like Red Wanting Blue. My goodness. It, just amazing Love stuff. Love awesome them. Love stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So it's just so fun to realize what's out there that you don't even know that's out there. Yeah. Yeah, and
0: and I have to tell you one of the one of the great pleasures of doing this podcast is when somebody tells me um hey that one band that you that you had on or the the one band that you talked about um I check them out and I now I love them. Like like Jeff you 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 kind of went through this over the last year with finally embracing Jason Isbell because oh, I'd been I'd been I'd been touting him for years, and and you just kind of drug your feet on, on Isbell, and now you're like, I'm all in.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't know what it was with, with that, but, but uh, why I drug my feet on it. But man, once I dove in, I, I mean, I'm listening to it just on heavy, heavy rotation right now. Uh, that's one of the most upsetting things of my summer is uh, I finally got tickets to a concert. I got tickets to two of his shows, one in Santa Barbara and one in Hollywood. And about three or four weeks after I got them, they canceled, so I don't know what's going on, but it's yeah. very disappointing, so I'm looking forward to seeing them live. but i same thing i would I would echo what he said too. I mean, you know I, I I get introduced to a lot of music from the the podcast uh from the guests as well as the albums that you cover, and you know guesting with uh, great peacock and and uh, become a huge, huge fan of, of that album as well and there's just a lot of, a lot of fun stuff you get out of
0: out of doing this and talking about the music this way. All right, so let me ask you guys this: so, Casey, what what are you listening to right now?
4: What am I listening to right now? Um, I'm listening to a lot of Audio Victoria. Okay. Um, uh, the the a record by an artist named Sunny War came out earlier this year, which is which I have really been listening to a lot. Um, okay. Trey Burt, Trey Burt, I've been listening to a lot, uh, and then I have been in like i'm probably on month 18 of revisiting the pearl jam obsession of my teenage years Um, when the when when things started to close down i i went back to those records and tried to relearn all the stone gossard riffs um which is not an easy task in and of itself but i went for the gossard riffs because mccready's lead parts are just like that's not that's not an attainable goal for me as a guitar (laughs) player um but so uh, Pearl Jam, like every day I'm on the serious Pearl Jam station. Um, okay. And then, you know, still still learning the Gossard riffs. All
0: right. So so what, what songs do you feel like you've got down?
4: I feel like right now, um, most of the first two records I could play, his parts, okay. uh, a lot of No Code and a lot of Yield, and then I've kind of, I'm like in and out for the rest of the records of, of okay. learning his stuff but um like do the evolution is such a great riff and that's that's so kind of a that's not it's not like a pearl jam deep cut I mean most people who know the band know that track but like it's yeah. such a good riff and that's him playing the solo too on that song and um and the solo is not like wicked hard but the, like just his feel just stone, just the way stone plays his feel like his the way he finds a groove and sticks with it and kind of moves around it is so unique yeah.
0: I'm still waiting, Jeff. I'm still waiting for somebody to pick no code or yield or yeah, my, my second or verses. We haven't done Versus yet.
2: The other either. the other t shirt that was next to this one that I almost picked was my Pearl Jam shirt with all of the vinyl, just all the vinyl spines stacked up on it. Mm. Uh, that's a cool shirt. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I've can. been listening to a lot of Pearl Jam lately too. It's been it's kind of I've, I've been in comfort food mode a little bit when it comes to music of yep. things that just make me. With all the other nonsense going on, it's it's like the things that make me feel good. I and consequently I haven't been exploring a lot of new stuff lately, which sorta of bums me out, but I've definitely been in that mode where I'm going back to the things that just quickly make me happy. And it it's a lot of Pearl Jam. And like I said, once you got me into Isbell and and a lot of national and Wilco and that
0: sort of stuff too. But Yeah. How about you, Ryan? What are you what are you listening to these yeah, days? Yeah, uh,
3: sure. So I've actually uh, similar to what Casey said, you know Going back and um, when I started dating my wife uh, just after college, I was so crazy Dave Matthews band uh, person that it drove her absolutely crazy uh, that, that she couldn't stand to, to listen to Dave Matthews at all in the car or, or anything. So I kind of put it away a little bit because it was bothering her. But when COVID hit, you know, go back and go through your old CDs and look through – I really went back and dove into, um, you know, Under the Table and Dreaming and, and some other things, just some older CDs, uh, you know, Crush and, you know, some of these songs that uh, really sort of meant something to me. But, you know, to that point of Pearl Jam also, just going back to, to 10, I mean, that episode made me sort of think, listen to songs in a little bit different way. And I'll tell you a quick story. Took me back to an amphitheater full of twenty-five thousand people called Star Lake Amphitheater in Pittsburgh, and the moment they played Black was a lightning strike storm. First of all, rainstorm all day. People were covered in mud that you can only see the whites of their eyes. And the moment they started playing Black, a big lightning strike hit right behind the stage, and it was like a out-of-body experience. And I'm like, this is, you know, I felt like I was on a different planet. It was unbelievable, but. Yeah, so some Dave Matthews Pearl Jam, uh, Little Angels and Airwaves. And then I just got back from Nashville last weekend. Was it, you know, all that action down on Broadway. I went to Kid Rock's Honky Tonk. I actually performed at Alan Jackson's bar. Oh, cool. uh, played a couple songs down there. So uh, also listened to a lot of different country, uh, Thomas Rhett and, um, you know, uh, Zach Brown Band. You know, if uh, Zach Brown Band and Dave Matthews actually played a, a show together that I saw and you know, intertwine some of their band members. It was it was really something.
0: Wayne, what are you listening to besides Exile on Main Street?
1: <laughs> uh, well, that always makes me listen to a bunch of other Rolling Stone stuff that I love. But uh, because I've been reading Please Kill Me, I I just keep diving in. And they'll go through different artists from that that scene in yeah. New York, and I've listened to a lot of Richard Hell and the Voidoids and uh, the Heartbreakers with Johnny Thunders, uh, Television, Blondie, Patti Smith. All that
0: stuff. Excellent. All right. So before we dive into talking about Hootie and the Blowfish's "Cracked Review," I want I, I want to ask you guys' opinion of of this time period. So it came out in in 1995, and was was still getting lots of airplay in '96. I had this this conversation with my wife the other day because we were talking about boy bands. And I said, I think that Hootie and the Blowfish, Dave Matthews Band, Blues Traveler, and Jewel is what caused the boy bands to happen. Because the public got so sick and tired of hearing this kind of genre that there was a course correction and they overcorrected. And I, and I, and I kind of feel like Hootie may not have happened without the grunge movement being shoved down our our throats as well because i felt like those bands that i just listed was a little bit of a course correction of people just going you know what i'm tired of hearing bush yeah or or you what know, do you guys think or maybe you yeah. know,
2: so much angst you know there was a lot of angst obviously in the grunge stuff and so some of the poppier you know happier kind of stuff did fly to the forefront a little bit for a little bit as well and i don't know about your boy band theory (laughs) it's interesting
4: yeah there's always been boy bands yeah yeah i was gonna say i mean we you know like there's the beatles were a boy band to some degree there's always been that aspect of of pop music um i i was having a, a conversation similar to this today though ben where i think that um I think that you're right in that Hootie and some of those bands were kind of spun off of the grunge movement, but even within the grunge, you know, what people call grunge, like Stone Temple Pirates records started to kind of lean a little bit twangier yeah. Uh, Pearl Jam on you know on Pearl Jam's second record, there's our elderly woman behind the counter. On the third record, there's a couple of songs that lean a little acoustic. And I and I think that those bands just started to pull from different parts of their influences. Like you can hear the REM influence in Pearl Jam's records and you can hear it in Hootie's records, but it's oh. a different aspects of what REM did that you're hearing in each band.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Totally agree. I think it has a lot to do also with sort of the college, you know, fraternity. Scene of, uh, you know, these guys at, at South Carolina, University of South Carolina, you know, they're playing these gigs in in, in in a little frat house and it's just building and building and building. And um, yeah, to, to people's ear, maybe needed a break from Nirvana and Pearl Jam a little bit, as great as they are. Trust me, as great as they are. But, um, you know, just to move over a little bit to the Sister Hazel, Tonic, you know, mm-hmm. Blues Traveler, like you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but even their first producer was picked because he, he'd worked with REM and Mellencamp and you can that's what I'm saying. I think they sold twenty one million records because they encompassed more different I mean, folk rock, southern rock, alternative. They they just grabbed a bigger audience.
3: Yeah, I mean Don Gaiman uh did Life's Rich Pageant, right? And and worked on Hurt So Good and Jack and Diane. So I mean it's like yeah, he, he kind of had his uh, sort of finger on um, some some huge hits and great albums.
2: Well, and their 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 EP right before this was Coochie Pop, right? That was the name of their EP, and that was right. Like, that kind of was it seems like it's indicative of that college. You know, it's just it was party music for a little while. It was you know it was a good time, and you know it was uh, something to you know dance to and drink to and and all that sort of stuff. So it definitely seemed to encompass that a little bit.
4: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But they're at the same time they're sneaking in Nancy Griffith covers, right. Vic Chestnut covers. Like you know, I mean, subversive is maybe going too far with it. But they're playing party music. But but Darius is sneaking in like this really literate songwriter stuff into the set list and kind of like getting it underneath that crowd's skin.
2: That's the stuff that sits under the surface here that gets buried in the fact that like only want to be with you is the thing you're hearing all over the place. But then you get into stuff like drowning and you're like there's some there's some themes going on here that are a lot heavier and a lot deeper than a lot of the other pop music actually was doing at the time you know for not being protest music or or being folk music they were sneaking this stuff in pretty well
3: yeah and, and i mean when you go to the live show the the covers that they chose to do even even on this last tour on the group therapy tour you're getting with a little help from my friends you're getting losing my religion you're getting you know Um, like you said, um, you know, hope that I don't fall in love with you. Just Tom Waits. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all these great songs that, that Darius, and if you hear Darius's interviews and even in the rest of the guys too, their influences are are so great. You know, you know, they, they're not playing, they're playing, they play covers. They're playing awesome, awesome covers and they're killing it. All right. So Wayne already mentioned that they've
0: sold 21 million copies of, of this album so let me let me just tell you what's what's well let me ask you this what is the most the most sold album of all time oh is it the eagle's greatest hits it is it is 38 million copies of it crazy Um the thriller is second with thirty-three million. That was my, guesses, um, that was and my guess. And then the Eagles' Hotel California, twenty-six million. Rumors is up there. It it is what sixth, Sixth. Yeah, sixth or seventh. Twenty 20 million records. All right. So let me just tell you the records that that Hootie has outsold. Here are some. Here are the ones that are just below. Hootie and the Blowfish. Simon and Garfunkel's Greatest Hits, 14 million. Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell, 14 million. Steve Miller Band Greatest Hits 14 million. Um The Bodyguard soundtrack is around 14 million. Um Carol King's Tapestry, 13 million. So that just kind of gives you a, a oh Purple Rain is at thirteen million. So Hootie is outsold Purple Rain, which you you guys already know that I love I love that record, um, so that just kind of gives you an idea of of how how popular this album was, and then so I want to go back to your tweet on why we why um, Casey you you you're on this episode because <laughs> you you tweeted out something to the effect of the first Hootie album is great and I don't care who knows it.
4: Yeah, I think I said that. I I think I said that at some point I knew I was going to find myself writing ten thousand words about why the, the first that was Hoot, it. The first Hootie record needs a critical reappraisal, reappla- which which like it'll happen, right? Like the Counting Crows just released a record that is now on the Americana charts, and everybody, and there are all these pieces about how like oh. We've taken Counting Crows for granted all these years and it's like, no, yeah, I, you didn't. Have. I didn't. I yeah. didn't. You know what I mean? Like that's that they're a great band. Um and I think that that'll happen with Hootie. I think there will come a time when people will will probably think like, "Oh yeah, I mean, like it was funny to call these guys Golf Rock or whatever, but this is if they were a band, if Cracked Review came out right now, that's on the Americana charts for the next 5 years."
0: Yeah. And and what was it about What was it about, say, a year after this record came out? It became a little bit of a punchline. The Hootie was a punchline. I remember there was one stand-up special that I watched with Janine Garofalo, and she was making fun of not only the band, but the the fans of the band. like The the people who would go to the the, the Hootie shows, and I'm like... You're talking about me like that's not me, Janine. I'm sorry, but that's that's not me um and and I don't know what what was the what do you guys think was the backlash I mean Ryan, what do you think the backlash was was it just a jealousy factor or what was it so
3: i I think that's such a great point i I think it was the fact of a little bit of overkill on the radio so. I think every 10 minutes you turn the radio on, it was either hold my hand or only want to be with you, which, which, okay, I get it. Um, backlash. Yeah, I I think, and and I think it's this quirky name. It's this, you know, sort of different band. That's, that's not Nirvana and Pearl jam. You know, they're on, they're created this video with only want to be with you with sports center anchors and Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann. And it's quirky. It's, it's they're throwing golf clubs in the video. They're drinking beer in the keg in the, frat house and obviously i loved every minute of it but so backlash wise it's like if you're on snl or you know second city whatever yeah it's it's this it's something that you can go after because it's too popular it's sort of like taylor swift i think like she's so popular selling out stadiums that it's like okay snl can go make fun of her because like you know she it's it's She's, she's Wayne, too Wayne and I you. will.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wayne and I will both get defensive if you try and make fun of Tay Tay. I
3: yeah. so I'd I love. To I love her, it. but
1: we we always turn on what's popular. It always happens. So, it, it without. Yeah. If you, sell yeah. 20 yeah. Million, if you sell twenty million records, they will yeah. turn on you. And it's yes. and I mean some of it is that they're like you said. They're ty- The fifth single, people are yeah. now people yeah. start to turn.
2: Yeah, and when when is talk it, about actually, when you talk Eugenie about comedy, Garofalo well, comes out. Yeah, when you talk yeah. about a comedy aspect, that's that's what we call low hanging fruit. The name yes. is funny; it's all over the place, so everybody knows it. So it has yes. a point of reference. It's not like she's going to bring Hootie and the Blowfish up, and people aren't going to know that they're supposed to laugh at that point. You know, it, it's it's the right. the funny sound; it's it's got a funny sound when you say it. So that's really all it was—is was low hanging fruit. But yeah. the reality is, I used to, I made this point twenty years ago. Whenever I would bring up the fact that I liked Hootie and the Blowfish, and everybody around would turn on you. I would go, "They sold." At that point, I, th- I think it was like fourteen, fifteen million, and it's, and it's ballooned to twenty million. They've sold fourteen million albums at that point, and nobody owns it. Are you serious? Like, yeah. Nobody else. It's it, can admit CDs to in, everybody's this car, album. It's in everybody's car, but nobody. It's in everybody's collection somewhere. Yeah, but nobody else would admit to owning this. But but me. So yeah, there's some nonsense that goes on where you know. Just I, I'm pretty unapologetic yeah. with the things I like. I like them. Uh, I've had the same reaction sometimes with Toad the Wet Sprocket, even from Wayne when we recorded it. But uh, <laughs> also, a, also a funny name of a band. But That's not because they're right. popular, right? Yeah, I'm, they were they were pretty huge for they were huge for for a while as well with Fear, but sure, um, not this big. Uh, but I think it is. It's that thing where you get something so overplayed that you can't help but be angry at it, and and then mm-hmm. the, then you miss like Casey was talking about all the stuff that's underneath the hits on this album. You know, there's some really good deep stuff on here in terms of the lyrics and, and songwriting as well.
0: Okay, so maybe we need to do a therapy session for Wayne. So, Wayne, is your disdain of Timothy B. Schmidt, is it because the Eagles have two records? First of all, I've already stated I can't explain (laughs) that.
1: I've already stated I cannot explain it. I don't know what it is. Uh, That that's a I see
0: all know. i have to do is bring up timothy b schmidt I, and it sets I, him off you see do you I, see the little vein in his in I his even yeah it's bulging right there yeah. i
1: don't know why i hate him but i hate him to my core to my very soul and i can't explain it
0: oh wayne wayne there's so much therapy that needs to happen all right um
2: and why, explain, why, ex- the blowfish? why explain who you hate and who you love honestly why do you why do you have to i mean you know, it's it's like everybody yeah, always. If asks, can, it's fun. But everybody I mean, always asks for these defenses of why you like something, and it just moves you. It just hits you. Music hits you a certain way, uh, and and you know, sometimes that's a very diverse kind of a kind of a listening experience, and and it doesn't really matter. I mean, I, I you know, I got I got my Ice Cube shirt on, and I'll bounce over to Hootie and the Blowfish or Wilco or whatever. It's just whatever I'm kind of feeling, and whatever hits me on that that level that makes me yeah. feel something. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's like, the, it's great. I agree that it's great if you can talk about why you like or dislike something. And those have those, some of my favorite conversations, you know, are conversations like this, where you're kind of dissecting the work. But like, the why do you like that? The answer is like, because it moves me. You know what I mean? Like, why do I like? A chicken sandwich. Why do I like why do I love my wife? Like that's it's just the stuff that I love. I love it because I love it. What difference does it make? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean I'll go from Beastie Boys to Brian Adams in my car back to back. And it's like, why would anybody do that? It I love both of those artists. I love it.
2: If it makes yeah. you happy, it can't
0: be that bad, right? That's Cheryl Crow. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. and I love her too. So oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, trivia. Who can name all four members of the band?
3: Uh, yeah, I could. I could do that. Uh, Mark Bryan, Dean Felber, Jim Sony Sonfeld, and Darius Rucker.
0: Very good. All right. Any of you also able to do it, Jeff? Would you have been able to do that?
2: Yeah, I, I uh, definitely can as well. I
0: would have this week. I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, so who brought up the the coochie coochie pop? Yeah,
2: yeah, that was me.
0: So, so that, was their, that was their, I guess it's considered EP, a, EP, it, right? an EP, right? Um, so a couple of the songs on this, and we'll talk about those as we, as we go through the track by track. A couple of the songs were re-recorded for Cracked Rearview. Um, the Old Man and Me, which was re-recorded for Fairweather Johnson, which, you know, Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just like saying Fair that; it makes me snicker. It, yeah, uh, yeah, Fairweather frame instead. Um, so that was re-recorded for that. But there's a couple songs from Coochie Pop that they did not re-record. Which, if you're going my way, and Sorry's Not Enough were two songs that they they didn't re-record for any album that I know of. May, Ryan, maybe you can you can tell me if if uh, they re-recorded those at any time.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, the only thing I can think of is they were there was this sort of DVD, you know, collection of, of you know, like a double DVD where they had the whole Cracked Review and then all these B-sides and everything on it. Um, ah, you have to come back to me on that. I have to think about that. Okay, okay.
0: All right, all right. Um, so because of that EP, it did catch the attention of Atlanta Records and... When did the, when did the EP come out? It was like th- 3 4 years prior to Cracked Review, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. Uh, 2 years I think the the EP, I think it was that thought it was 92 and this was 94, right?
0: Okay. All
2: right. Yeah.
0: All right. Um you guys ready to dive into this? Let's yes. do it. Yeah, let's All do right. It. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Oh.
1: Uh. Unofficially 12.
0: Unofficially 12, which means top song is going to get 12 points. Next favorite song, 11 points. On down to lowest score of one. So let's get this started with Hannah Jane. guys think of this as a uh, as an opening track ryan what do you think
3: yeah Yeah, sure i'll jump in thanks ben uh great pace great opener um i love the build-up of the drum pre-chorus it's great especially live this song kills it live they opened their recent um group therapy tour show this this last year reunion tour with this song uh really showcases the band call and answer vocals like sort of answering darius so he's singing, then the band is singing, and they're they're in good harmony together. It's very. I wrote down that it's very Beatles-esque to me. Uh, great guitar solo. Uh, Mark is probably actually underrated on how good of a uh, melodic lead guitar parts that he wrote for this album that matches perfectly. Uh, and this song just showcases Darius's vocal power right off the bat, just showing what, what he brings to the table. And it's, you know, you're standing in that arena, the lights go down, and boom, they fire into the song. And it's this head-nodding opener to a live show that, that just fires it off right. And uh, I just love this song. Absolutely, you know, one of my favorites. And I guess, I don't know if I can say my score now or wait. Oh, just go ahead. Yeah, so this is my favorite song on the album. This is my 12. Okay. Uh it just, you know, it it wasn't in the first year that I had this album it wasn't my favorite, but as a, you know, 46-year-old person at this moment and as a, you know, semi-retired musician, it it's when I go back, it's my go-to, it's my favorite song on the album. Okay. Yeah, and the last time I saw them so
0: this was before they officially got back together to do, you know, full on tour and a, and a new record. Um, so I saw them in 2018 at SunTrust Park in Atlanta. They uh, they were the they were the band right before Jason Aldean and and um, right after Luke Combs before he blew up, and uh, really great, really great show. Um, I went with friends. They were there to really see Jason L. Dean and I was there to see Hootie and they opened with Hannah Jane for, for that one as well. Um, how about you, Casey?
4: What do you like about Hannah Jane? I love the track too. Great great album opener. And one thing about this Hootie record is it really like followed there used to be, there's not anymore because of the way that people listen to and engage with music. But I mean there was a real real blueprint for how to sequence a record you know like the opening track has to get everybody's attention but it's not the lead single the lead single is the number two track and that you know that's tried and true here there's a great you know a single is at number five and then when you get into later on in the album those are kind of the deeper cuts and that's how they sequence this record but like i gave hannah jane an 11 it does everything that it needs to do like uh like ryan said you know like right out of the gate's the emphasis of the song is Darius's voice, and that's going to carry you through the rest of the record, and it's it as carried Hootie through their career. I mean, they're they're a great band, and that you know they're a lot of fun to watch. But like, there's a reason that Darius is also an enormous country music star. He's yeah. he's one of the best singers of this generation, um, and I think that like there, there's not a better way to introduce his voice than this track.
0: I agree. I agree. All right, so so Ryan and Casey have already given their scores. Jeff, how about you? What's uh, your score? You know, I
2: don't know why this one falls so far because this is another album where there's not a song on the album that I don't like. Um, just at the end of the day, the way things shook out, I'm I'm a little backloaded on this album in terms of the stuff that I like, and it's not all the hits. Okay. And it's I think it's a good way to kick off the album it, right away. It's it's a good energy, um, and it, it gets it started in a way that fits the rest of the album, but it just kind of slid down as I was scoring stuff through the week, so it ended up at three for me, and I feel terrible that they both have it that high and I'm tanking it.
0: Uh, All good. Wayne, your score?
1: Well, I love songs uh, titled after uh, women's names, a la Allison, Roxanne, Angie, (laughs) uh, Layla. Uh, I I gave this an eight just because lyrically, I think it was less clear exactly what was going on, but musically, I think it brings in those, like I would said, the two elements from the producer of Camp and REM. I think you, it, I mean, even brings in a little Black Crows. Like it really brings in a lot of different stuff that sounds really cool. It's a great way to start a record.
0: Yep. Absolutely. All right. And this is my five. And I'm with you, Jeff. There's, there's a lot of other tracks that I just yeah. picked, uh, picked over this, but great, great, great album opener for sure. Um, and Casey, I, I totally, echo your sentiments about perfect sequencing of of this so all right so let's get to the first single off the off the record so this is hold my hand Was one of the songs that was originally on that Coochie Pop album. Um songwriting credits go to all four. So they wrote this sometime in nineteen eighty nine. So that, that tells you how long this this song has been uh, been around. Um things that I I just found out this week. I don't know if it's true or not, but Wikipedia says the song includes a backing vocal from David Crosby.
1: Yeah. It does. <laughs> I read that too. It does.
3: I actually have a a comment about that. Um, In an interview uh, with Darius and and David Crosby in the same interview, he said, you know what? I hate to tell you this, but you're going to have to sing this song the rest of your life. This is a huge hit. When they, right out of the gate recording it, David Crosby said, you're going to be singing this forever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, is it okay if I just chime in on this one? Do it. Yeah. all-time classic. I mean, everybody knows this song. Um, you know, love the up-and-down guitar in the background of the verses. Uh, great call and answer. It's very sing-alongable in a show. Great sequencing, like Casey said, you know, to have this second on the album. There's definitely a science to where you put a song, you know, on your album in your set list. Um, the way they play this live is different than the recording. It's it's more funky. It's a little more energy Uh, it's played, uh, they played it sixth on this last tour, which is kind of amazing that you put this big of a song, sixth in a 25, you know, song set list. Um, you know, the cutouts just before Darius belts, best that I can is great. Probably the biggest summer song of 94. I mean, this guy can sing the phone book. Like Casey just said, Darius's voice is, is one of those all time voices. Um, so my quick story of this song is I actually got to perform this on stage with them in 1995 in Pittsburgh at Club Graffiti um, in the front row. I'll give you the short version. I asked Dean uh, if I could play um, Only Want to Be With You. So halfway through the show, I called Dean down to the stage, down to the floor sort of, and I say, hey, I know how to play Only Want to Be With You. Is there any way I could play it with you guys? They have a little conference and they say no. Because they were doing like Fight the Power or something in the middle of it, you know, or, you know, some kind of medley that I wouldn't have yeah. known. Right. So, end of the show comes out. They come back out and uh, Darius uh, leans down to me. He goes, and and I had met him before a couple months before. And, and, and he goes, Hey, come here, pulls me up on stage. Uh, he goes, You know, hold my hand. I'm like, yeah, I know it. Hands me his guitar. He goes, You play it. I'm just going to sing. So I'm like, Oh my gosh. I'm playing this, you know, Grammy, you know, song, basically the number one song in the country right now with this band on stage in Pittsburgh. So I start, I have to start the song also. So I start it and I'm playing it. And Peter Holsoppel is sitting there sort of watching me, making sure I know what I'm doing. (laughs) And I got it. I'm going. And then Darius is just wailing, singing. And he goes, go sing side vocals with Mark. So I'm over there singing, having a good thing. And then uh, we played, they played Goodbye and uh, we hung out and drank till 3 in the morning, had a great time. And at one point, Darius elbows me in the chest and goes, How tall are you? I'm like, I'm 6'5". And he goes, Billy, get the hoop off the bus. I'm playing this guy one-on-one basketball right now. And we're all like (laughs) drinking. It's 3 in the morning. And he goes, No, no, no. Somebody's going to get hurt. So they don't get the hoop out, but we, we had shots and hung out and had a great time. And of all the celebrities I've met and all the people I've opened up for, the nicest guys in the world, we had a great night doing that.
0: Well, I'm glad that your your experience hanging out with with Darius was better than the one experience that I had a couple of years ago <laughs> at a golf tournament. So,
4: um,
0: I, I posted on Twitter that uh, yeah, that's that's a signed copy of Cracked Review. So, um, I I got his autograph on a, on a couple CDs and. Um, he even kind of gave me crap because I gave him, I get, I think I gave him one of the one of his solo records and then two of the Hooties, and he signed all of them. And, but you know, you could you could tell that he was a little frustrated because he said. Um, I got to sign my entire discography for this guy, and I'm like, "Oh, Darius, you have no idea. I have four other of your records at home." So, um, anyways, that's that. That's cool. my experience with Darius. All right, um, you you did mention uh, that it was number one song. Actually, it it peaked at number ten mm-hmm. on the Billboard uh, the Billboard Hot One Hundred um any guesses on the b-side of this of this album or of of this track
3: uh
0: was it fine line i go blind Uh, which they would then end up using on the friend soundtrack later so (laughs) there you go Little, little little extra trivia cool uh wayne what do you got on hold my hand
1: uh, this one, especially in the beginning, and and that riff that uh, that Ryan was talking about has a very like a countrified Pearl Jam feel to it, which for the time you you wouldn't have done yourself wrong by knocking them off a little bit. I think it's just like I say, as far as pop songs go in the n- mid '90s, stuff that was beyond the radio. I, this was as good as it got. I do. I love the Beatles reference where he says, "Yesterday, I saw you standing there."
0: Yeah, and you can tell that they're fans of music. I mean, mm-hmm. we already talked about the cool covers that they do. So, yeah, for for sure, I do feel bad about my score. So I gave this a six, mostly because, like, I I, I feel like I've just heard this a zillion times, um, and there are other tracks that that kind of move me a little bit differently. Uh, this is a, this is a song that you want to definitely sing along to though at a at a show. Um, but yeah, and I and I. Spoiler alert! This just misses our top five, believe it or not, based off of our scores.
4: Wow. Yeah, I would say don't feel bad. I gave it a six too. I think it's a great. Um, I think it's a great single for a band to have on the radio. It's not. It's not one of my favorite tracks on the record.
2: All right, Jeff. I, I'm also at a six. I, I think if you'd have had me score this in in around '95, uh, it probably would have been my ten. Would have been. That's where I would have thought. It right around yeah. ten. Uh, I, I've just gotten more into the deeper cuts on this album over the years and that's the stuff I, I think I kind of prefer at this point to some of the stuff that I've heard so much uh, but it is a lot of fun in concert Yeah, Wayne, your score?
1: If there's a reason they play it for the rest of their life I gave it a 10 too or a 10 right. in, in 1995 What Jeff would have done in 1995 I did today
3: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Ryan, your score? Yeah, I didn't say it this is my eleven. Uh I think I'm maybe still living in nineteen ninety-five a little bit, but uh <laughs> and and scores remorse, you know, later for some other things, but this is my eleven. All right. Next song is Letter Cry. I don't
0: care, I just run my
5: hands to her dark hair than I. Pray to God you gotta help me fly away and just let her.
0: Was the second single from from the album um, actually did better on the Billboard Hot 100? Peaked at number nine instead of number ten for the previous song and
2: Grammy Award winning song for best pop performance.
0: Grammy Award winning song for pop performance by a duo or group. Um, I wanted I wanted to to give the other nominees, but I already I already mentioned the Wayne trigger. Um, so, the, so the other nominees included Love Will Keep Us Alive, which is sung by Wayne's arch nemesis.
1: First of all, he doesn't even know I exist, so he can't be my nemesis. My nemesis is my fucking neighbor who won't keep his dog from <laughs> in my front yard. That's my nemesis.
0: There we go. Uh, Alright. Um, yeah. This is... I'm just going to throw down the gauntlet. This is my 12... Like ah. th- this is one of those songs that when I hear it, I just
1: stop. I think there's, I mean, as sad and dark as this song is, it's really even sadder and darker than I think the people listening to it on the radio in 1995. Yeah. Thought. Cause for sure. this is, I read that he, this was inspired by, he was listening to, she, she talks to angels by the black crows, one of my all time favorite bands. And so he just, he said, he just stream of consciousness wrote this song. And so it's, I like so it's not from his perspective. Like a lot of these songs feel like they're very personal to him and part of his life. And this one's completely yeah. separate from that. And a nice touch is how he puts himself as the <laughs> girl's favorite singer. I think Yeah. That, just, a, just barely. Overstipe. Because he doesn't overdo it. He doesn't get crazy. And that's one of just one of the few cool things. Like I say, what she's addicted to feels, you know, very much like the girl from she talks to angels. Um, it's not, it's not pot or, or, I mean, cause that lamppost uh, reference makes me is very street corner scoring. Um, and then there's a line at the end where he says she goes, she goes to the back, not like she goes outside on the back porch, but she goes like to a back room. So it has a much darker, much more heroin crack kind of a feel than just something simple. But the, the it's heartbreaking. There's that second where he, where he reads that note that she's gone and Then she shows up just after he's finished reading the note when he's already made it clear that this isn't the girl that he fell in love with, but he's still in love with her. And so there's this horrible, heartbreaking conflict with this guy who can't leave this girl that it's probably better for the both of them if they separate, and yet he has that one second when he's reading that note, and then she just fucking walks in. She just left the note, and she just walks back in the door.
0: Yeah. Casey, you you were... I'm looking at your score. You're uh, you're uh, on the other spectrum.
4: I am, but it's not. It's because I also knew the story about him writing this while he listened to the crows' tune, um, and so to me, this is just like a not as good version of "She Talks to Angels." "She Talks to Angels" to me is like an untouchable song, um, and this is this is just like a you know. This is kind of a watered down version of She Talks to Angels. So it's it's within that context that I scored it the way I did. Okay. Um, because whenever I listen to it, I just go like, oh, you know, he took a crack at at Chris's song and didn't do it as well as Chris. Like, She Talks to Angels already exists. <laughs> I'll just listen to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ryan, what do you got on
3: um, Yeah. I was a little month? bit. So you jump out, you know, with Hannah Jane. You have this huge hit with Hold My Hand Second. You, you can't go another sort of. Uh, you know, song like that to start the out. So you have to have this change of pace sort of slow, you know, slower, meaningful, sort of powerful song. So this is, this is in the right spot. It's, I wrote that it's a somber message to a girl that he can't fix. And I, I love the lyric this morning. I woke up alone, found a note sitting by the phone, it, you know, same baby someday I'll be, back. I just love that lyric so much. And to play this song is such a simple GDC, you know, like <laughs> It's unbelievable how many songs are GDC it, it, it's just how you play it I mean you think of like like Green Day good riddance is, is GDC right it's just the way you play it you know means something and then the last thing I wrote for this is just the power vocal I mean this guy is building this song out you know and when he does it live and they run it on it's like it's like painful to him you know the way he's building this out. Um, so and that's all I had on that just just a great song this right. is my this is my eight this
0: all my right eight. and uh, Jeff your score
2: uh, mine on this this would have been 1995 Jeff's this would have been his uh, 12 um, and I think it has to do with I think I was more moved by this then and and as I dove deeper in the atom and I'm older other stuff moves me more um, other themes move me more than than this and it does you know in comparison to she talks to angels. It it, it feels a, a little more put on, but it's it's still an eight. I, I you know I have a lot of nostalgia for the song, so it's still gotcha. up there. But it would it would have been my favorite if we had scored this closer to when it came out. All right. Did I get all the scores? I didn't hear Wayne's or Casey's.
1: I'm I'm still chasing 1995, Jeff. I this is my favorite song. Once again, to me, the Black Crows are are one of my absolute favorite bands their first two records are among my favorite records of all time and so nobody touches them. i think i liked it because he he was inspired by chris robinson
4: there you go i gave it a three i apologize to everyone i apologize to darius i apologize to chris and rich robinson
0: it's all good all good all right only want to be with you is next And this was another song that was originally on that Coochie Pop EP. Uh, this was third single. This peaked at number six on the Billboard Hot 100. But uh, yeah, on the old adult contemporary radio stations, this was played every ten minutes. Um, the the top forty stations played every twenty minutes. I think this is it. I, I tried to, to to look, but I think this is the their highest charting song.
1: Yeah, wasn't like f- for their career number
0: three? Uh, on the adult contemporary, it was number three. Number six on the Hot 100. Mm-hmm. So, um, also when you look, right. when you look at the Wikipedia on these songs,
2: there they, it often met, mentions Iceland. Uh, a lot of these songs were huge in Iceland, <laughs> so think I, they became <laughs> ginormous. New Zealand in too, I
1: saw.
0: Yeah, we we had we had this this conversation. What what was the album that we were talking about a few weeks National, ago? Where National, where was it, big in Belgium, I think, the, or, or uh, b- big in Belgium. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But just like Citizen did, right, right. Uh, <laughs> big, big, big in Belgium. Um, did anybody listen to the post Malone version of this song? Yeah, yeah. There's
2: no yes. reason I would do that. I, I did, I did. Not, not okay.
0: A fan. Not a not, fan. Uh, it's
3: not for mm-hmm. me. Not really. Um only listened to it once or twice. I tried to like it. It's it's just oh it's tough.
4: Yeah, what's I, I that, uh, What's that line from uh, was it Forgiving Sarah Marshall or forgetting Sarah Marshall or whatever where he says, Yeah, I was gonna listen to it and then I just went right on living my life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's probably the right way to do it. That's, that's a good that's reference. Right yeah. yeah. He he does he does change the football reference from dolphins to the cowboys.
3: Yeah,
1: it makes, God, it, makes even it worse, which That's makes worse. it even worse. worse,
0: makes it even worse. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Um, yeah. And we've already talked about the, the, the Dylan, the, the Dylan references here tangled well, up I in wanna, blue. I
1: want to be mad at him because uh, I feel like Dylan was being or his people, I guess, because I know Darius Rucker said something like he wanted. It was about money. We gave him some money. We weren't ripping him off. And he's absolutely not. It's a quote. It's essential to the song, um, but there was 21 million copies sold, so that's a lot of money. Like I want to forgive Bobby, but he—that's a lot of money to leave on the table. Yeah. He could have let it go. Th- if it, if this was a, a hundred thousand copies or a band that never made it, he probably would have smiled and let it go. I wonder
0: if Mark will talk to us about about that. Yeah, I'm curious about that. I'm curious. I'm curious on that.
3: Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting about that is, you know, I don't know firsthand, but I'm going to guess that, that Hooting the Blowfish did not have millions of dollars at that point to be able to just write him a check for a hundred grand. I mean, like, you know, I, I wonder what that, that would be an interesting question for Mark.
1: Oh, and I, if I, I'm sure Bob, Bob Dylan has the, one of the best legal teams in music, and I'm sure this was about royalties, and so right. it could have started with one dollar and ended with twenty-one million yeah, dollars.
2: Yeah, it said it never got to the point where we were sued when we first did that song. We sent it to the publishing company, and everything was fine. We played it for years and had a really big hit with it. Then they wanted some money, and then they got it.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that
2: seems like a common story. Because your
1: split a of nothing is nothing.
2: Yeah, no. it feels a little bogus mm-hmm. to me, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, again, going back to talking about the national and the and the number of times that he name checks various things as well. You know, it's sort of just paying honor to it in in reality, but it's mm-hmm. so it's not like it's stealing a melody from it or any of that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, and there there is no melody stealing on this, right?
3: I don't know. No, no, yeah. I think it completely had to do with with the tangled cool. up in blue and, and those things, right?
1: Well, yeah. he just mentions if you just mention tangled up in blue, you're not going to get songwriter credits, but you okay. you they did the whole verse of idiot
4: wind. Right, so, yeah, yeah, he does. That's he a, does said so I a shot a man named Gray. Yep. Yeah. Oh, right. That's a whole yeah.
1: different. Yeah. Gotcha. It's on. A, it was definitely enough to get a judge.
3: Gotcha.
2: Yeah, but he's yeah. I mean, he's quoting it too. But it is what it is. But it, it seems yeah. a little bit like yeah, yeah it's line for line money. though.
1: I mean, I agree. Yeah. Like it's essential to the song. They're not. It's not that they took these words and interspersed it, put them into their song. They're absolutely not ripping them off. It's yeah. it's a legal technicality.
0: Hmm. Yeah. All right, so so let me let me throw this out to Casey. So if somebody were to take a verse from like Teenage Gravity and put it in one of their songs, are you honored, or are you going to get your legal team
4: involved? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd be on- I'd be honored, and I would love to think that I would not get my legal team involved. But if somebody used a verse of my song in theirs and sold 21 million records i would probably be like you know what yeah. i would i would yeah, love to own a home instead of renting an apartment but, but but you're also not bob, yeah. you're not bob dylan and bob bob dylan i don't think was hurting
2: for cash at
4: the point yeah, bob, this
2: happened either yeah so. bob
4: was probably not hard up for cash but i i do i mean i think that there's there's there is a long long i mean of all the people right like dylan's whole career at the first Five years of his career are kind of borrowing where he sees fit to borrow, or or co-opting melodies, or like doing a little bit of a Woody Guthrie shtick, or you know, like his whole his whole Bob Dylan is built on other people's shit until he made it his own and then became incredibly innovative with the way that he wrote and recorded. But yeah, I mean, he's lucky. Yeah, the irony of it, I think, was not was not lost on on a lot of people that. You know, like th- that Dylan was worried about someone using his, his work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you have to, I mean, there's this is a machine. Bob Dylan is not one guy who stands around and points mm-hmm, and goes, right. go sue these guys. There's a whole group of people who are yeah. involved. And they're, I'm much more likely the ones that said, hey, these kids from South Carolina are making millions. And somebody's like, we're not, you know what? There's people, you know, there's publishing companies, there's other people involved that are yeah. not going to let 20, let 21 million copies. That amounts to just go away. If they have if they have a legal chance of getting it, they're going to get it. I don't think this is all. This falls all on Bob Dylan. Probably not.
4: Yeah, I would be surprised if, if he himself has ever heard the song. You right. I mean, was like just that, I don't say, think that, that's like a, I I would be surprised point. if he had any idea what 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 the song was or sounded <laughs> like.
0: Yeah, Dylan's not listening to adult <laughs> contemporary radio stations that would play this followed <laughs> by now, Dave Matthews Band.
4: But now
1: this is falling into. The, to classic, classic rock classic rock and this is yeah. this is <laughs> this is That's right in his are. wheelhouse
4: yeah there yeah. are stations where certainly this song is being played and then some and then tangled smart up dj and is, is playing tangled <laughs> up in blue <laughs> right exactly about it yeah. the thing
2: i loved about this when it came out is the just the personality and the humor of it i like the idea that it was you know it, it there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek about it and mm. i found that fun it's right fun. away it's it yeah. a fun
1: song it's um, funny and, again, and also it hits actually it But if you're the guy in this song, like, I could, I mean, I still wear cargo shorts and band t-shirts. I mean, (laughs) I get smacked when I look at other girls. I have lengthy diatribes with many people from my girlfriend to my kids about, oh, you got to listen to this. Listen to what he does right here. I still, this whole song was me in 1995. And to a large degree, it still is. I've gotten better. My girlfriend at the time in 95 did not think it was funny when I looked at other girls. But that's because I hadn't refined my technique. But she did think it was funny when I laughed <laughs> when the Seahawks lost or won or almost lost right. or were still winning. Uh, that she thought was adorable.
3: So no, that's so good, Wayne. And and I went back and watched the music video this morning. And it, I don't know if you got any of you guys did that, but you know Dan Marino is in there throwing passes to Darius, and yeah. um, you know it's it's this quirky sport. They're huge sports fans absolute you know have been he's been you know they've been on sports center they've been you know uh you know they have talked about sports on letterman all those things so i don't know if you watched the video today or this week but it's it's pretty good yeah i'm gonna
0: guess that part of the reason why we got mark on the on the podcast was i dropped in the the the, the pitch email we're not just about musicians. We also had Del Murphy from the Atlanta Braves on an episode. Because <laughs> yeah. being being in Charleston, South Carolina, guess who everybody roots
4: for? It's yeah, the Braves. Every, everybody in the South is a Braves fan because TBS is the only station anybody that's got that. when they were growing up. That, that, that's there you go. Right? That's, that's the, that's the had, only televised baseball team in, in much of had, the South. That, you yep. had Rasslin and you had the Braves. That was, that right. was what TBS right. played,
3: right? Right. <laughs> no kidding. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: And night tracks Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, and,
0: and night tracks. All right. Uh Jeff, your score? Uh, i 5. I don't know. Okay. All right. Ryan, your score?
3: This is my 10. Love performing this song, just a fun song live. And they they kill this live. They ended the last tour with it doing, you know, doing uh, Freaks of the Industry, Shining Star, Love the
4: One You're With in the middle of this song. It's just a fun song.
0: All right. Casey, your score?
4: Uh, I gave it a seven. It's kind of a middle of the pack song for me. Like, I, I like the sense of humor in the song. Um, I think it's a good, again, so like sequencing brilliance to, to have this mm-hmm. kind of levity come right after letter cry. It's just such yeah. a, it's, it's such a smartly sequenced record. Wayne, your score.
1: 11. I, I live this song. I still live this song. Uh, I, it's like, I say it's funny. It's, it's smart. There's a reason that it was played. we nobody plays songs every 10 minutes when they suck. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right this is my 11 i don't like the fact that my my <laughs> top two favorite songs are also yeah. wayne's top uh, that's it's, just not very weird it's not good <laughs> it's not good um all right next song is running from an angel I love songs that talk about boys liking the bad girls and the girls liking the bad boys. And this, this is really what this song is all about, right?
1: Oh, I, I took it completely differently.
0: Okay, I want to hear Wayne's interpretation.
1: Oh, I got the idea that she, uh, she broke up with him and ran off and married somebody that was either richer or more accepted by her parents. Because I definitely think the, she is both the angel and the devil in the chorus.
3: Hmm. Okay. It's so interesting. I took it as he's talking about changing girlfriends and upsetting his mom. Okay.
2: Wow. Could could be it as well. Jeff? I just really like this song. <laughs> 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 I, really, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's about. I, I like anything that's a gift horse in the mouth. And for whatever reason, yeah. looking at a gift horse in the mouth is a favorite phrase of mine. Uh, it. I don't know. I, I'm digging the interpretations, but you know, I enjoy this song a lot. It's one of the, the uh, one of the songs that I can just kind of groove to a little bit more and and
0: and uh, enjoy it. That's it. So, all right. I wa- I wanted to get everybody else's comments out of the
4: way, Casey. So, um, white horse in this song is a is a drug. This white horse is heroin. Okay, is my reading of the song. Um, hey. So that that was like. Running from an angel, running to the devil. The devil, I don't, I don't necessarily think is another person in the context of this song. Hmm. Um, uh, that said, I love, I love it. I think this is my favorite song on the record. Um, I think the writing is really sharp, especially you know, if it is. In fact, if my reading of the song is correct, it's really sharp writing. If, if I'm wrong, then it, maybe it's not as good a song as I think it is. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, like the the counter melodies that run through this are great. Um, you know, I think that lyrically this is probably the first. Song on the record where the emphasis is more on Darius's writing than the way he delivers the song vocally, um, which rightfully so. I think this is probably one of the strongest songs on the record, so it's my. I gave it a twelve. It's my favorite.
0: Love it. All right. Uh, other scores, Ryan. What do you got?
3: Yeah, this is my six, and it's pain, it's painful to me a little bit. Like I feel like this should definitely be higher. Uh, Lily Hayden's violin is fantastic on this um totally different pace they play this with bongos live like like jim sony will come out with a bongo setup like out in the middle of the stage and play like the bongos out with you know darius and the guys and it's like this little sort of acoustic jam that you know what i mean and it just has such a cool vibe to it for sure
0: yeah (laughs) wayne what do you got
1: first of all i'm looking over these lyrics casey's absolutely right i'm kicking myself i usually (laughs) catch heroin references every single time this isn't even somebody he likes this is like his brother or his sister this is someone close to him uh like like a relative that's why it would break his mother's heart because it's his brother or his sister because really Mm. there's no there's no gender in this it's all you lying you you're lying and cheating yeah uh Casey is 100% right. I am I'm disgusted I'm, by my score. I'm surprised, I am i believe I missed a heroin reference. <laughs> I'm surprised
0: considering that the other album that I you were listening dark. to. And then I didn't this time. Yeah, we're listening to Exile right now where, you know, a third oh. of the songs are about heroin. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um Did I give what's my you, score? What, this score is rate? my 8. This this is my 8.
3: What what Wayne score it?
1: It was a 5. I don't That's want to discuss I, it. I, I, I give,
3: <laughs> I, I, Wayne didn't want to
1: give a Wayne, score.
3: Wayne, I'm totally yeah, with yeah, you. I uh, Wayne, I want to change mine to a 10 on it. Like yeah. this, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I, I give right.
2: it a 9. It's it's up there. It's uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And it, uh, it, it if it's about heroin, man, it's a fun heroin song. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> for, a, for a heroin song, good Lord, you can really dance to it. Yeah, and you can uh, hardly
1: get mad with maracas and a fiddle.
2: It's hard <laughs> right. to be upset. Yeah, how can you – you've got a fiddle and bongos and – Boy, what a good time heroin sounds like.
1: Look.
4: But that's the whole well, thing that goes back to the whole thing is they're Trojan horsing yeah. all this stuff, into, right? right? Like they're, they're, well,
3: yeah, you're
4: right. Yeah. And,
3: and I'll and, tell you what else. This song, you know, was not a top 10 song like on the radio, but live in concert, when they start hitting into this song, it's yeah. the number one. The fans go crazy when yep. this song comes on.
0: Yeah. So going back to the whole heroin thing, so Dead Flowers by the Rolling Stones is one of the, like it seems like it's a real fun song oh yeah yeah that's not fun <laughs> um so you so you, you can write this you, second
1: verse.
0: yeah so you can you can write some 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 great songs um but yeah all right we beat this dead horse uh, or gift gift beaten horse, horse. We, we, the, we've beaten this gift the horse, heroin right in horse. Mouth. all right so i'm going home is next
5: I cried myself to sleep that night And I listened as I heard the angels sing sha shalala shalala i am going home shalala
0: la 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 i am going home I believe this is a song about his mother passing away, right?
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any way it's not.
0: Yeah, it might be about I heroin did t-
1: and his mom passing away.
0: Um, I don't know.
2: Casey, <laughs> you know what? Let me look at it again. I don't know. It could be. She she might have passed Are away. There from horses? Are horses? Are there
1: dragons? Is there anything she, in here?
0: So so Darius's mother Caroline died in 1992 at the age of 51. I I did not see what the the cause of death was. Not important. Other than, you know, I think that this is a really great tribute song Beautiful to song. her. Yes, I, lo- I I really love this song. Um, maybe my my score doesn't reflect it. Kind of like how I'm hearing you guys talk about your crappy scores. Um, no, I'm just kidding, Ryan. What do what do you got on? I'm going home.
3: Yeah, sure. And I already feel bad. This is my two. Um, and there's kind of a specific reason for it. It obviously all these songs are great. When, this is sort of like a greatest hits album for Hootie from their 10 years you know before this album came out, right? Or however many years. But I wrote down, obviously, you know, you know about it, losing his mom. Uh, it's a nice middle of the album, change of pace. Um, it, the only reason I put it as a two is I feel like it kind of drags on a little bit, maybe too long. But this song live, like I've been saying on some other ones, is so great because it allows Darius to vent and create these emotional moments at the end of this where he's just Freewheeling, doing whatever he wants and getting emotional about this. And um i yeah, I hate that it's my two, but it's 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 a really you know, this would if you threw this on um you know, looking for lucky, this would be one of the best songs in my opinion on, on you know, one of their other albums for sure. Yeah.
4: Casey, what do you got on this one? I gave it a nine. Um and I I think like the five, six, seven songs on this record really showcase Darius's writing um and and that's i i tried to approach it you know i we're talking sometimes about how how i would have scored this record how you would have scored this record in 1995 um and i tried to approach it like i tried to listen to it now and just think you know how did these songs hit me now um and this is you know like the writing is just beautiful from to go from run from an angel to this to we'll get to drowning next but like it just i i think that because he's such a great singer and because this band. Became what they became. Um, really, Darius's writing is overlooked, and to, and I don't know how old, I you know, like I'd have to Google right now how old he is, but he could they they have to have been mid twenties when this came out, right? Yeah
3: yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: So and and a lot of these songs were written, you know, several years before this record came out. So to so to consider that he was probably early twenties when he was writing this stuff, this is some really remarkable work. I mean, this is you know, this is leagues better than most songs that that anybody in their early 20s who isn't Jason Isbell were writing. He's yeah. he's 55 today. He's 55 I mean, today. Okay. So, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah 20, yeah. these were written as early, mid-20s, yeah. Yeah, crazy.
0: All right, um, any any other comments from Wayne or Jeff before I get scores? Be- beautiful song, beautiful tribute, beautiful tribute. Uh, it's emotional.
2: He, he does a beautiful job, and I agree with Casey on the songwriting. Uh, it's seven on mine.
0: Okay. Wayne,
1: and I don't want to sound—I don't want to be the asshole—but the only thing that I guess was a, a why change now, a Structural Wayne? A structural issue with it was that the first verse sounds much more coffin side, whereas the last verse feels like getting the call. So I like that. I like it that. It feels Tarantino, like it's out of order. I like that Tarantino. Yeah. Like I like the
2: idea of like let me walk you back through. That's specifically one of the things I like, and how I scored it is. Let me walk you back through. I'll start with the end, and then let me get you back to what I went through to get there. And I, yeah. I dig that personally. Yeah. So I think you're well, just I'm linear. Wrong. So uh,
1: I guess that that's why it rubbed <laughs> me wrong. And then the, I guess the I don't know if it's a second verse or it's some sort of a pre-chorus or, but where he's it goes from, I don't know if he's talking to his mom and his mom's talking to God and he's ta- and God's talking to him, but it gets. It gets a little, I don't know if that, there were just little things I, I think it's great. I love how it's uplifting. Like it's not a sad, that's what you would expect from a song about your mom dying is a, all dirgy and sad and, and he's not. It's got this very kind of Southern gospel uplifting nature to it um, that I, that I loved about it.
0: All right. Now I feel bad about my scores. So I gave it a four. I gave it a six. You guys are
4: all making me feel bad about my score. It's okay. Right. The sec- the, the, that second verse is a little bit... It does It does take a dip in quality in that second verse. Yeah. I think I think if he had to do it again, Darius would maybe edit it. I don't want to speak on his behalf. I give uh-huh.
3: it a two, and it's a thousand times better than anything I've ever written. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: all right. Nick.
0: Next, next song is Drowning. Why must we hate one
5: another? When the people in the church, they tell me, Just so long.
0: I didn't realize this. This was this was the fifth and final single from from the record. I didn't realize that they re- released this as a as a single.
2: The crazy thing about about drowning is this was 1994. You didn't have pop yeah. singers. You didn't have pop singers putting these songs out in 1994. You had he makes a reference to Nancy Griffith. You had um, folk singers singing about these sort of things. But it was you know I mean 20 years later they still had the the fucking uh,
1: yeah they just know, took that fucking flag down yeah. that's what's that's what's at, like this song i am absolutely it absolutely outrages me like all week long it just makes me angrier and angrier that they you know that he's and he's he's ahead of his time or saying things ahead that are not ta- being said ahead in 1995
2: for a, pop, for a pop singer for sure in terms of putting out yeah. a song like this and the references are very literate pe's coming they're is always all I using say.
1: that They're always using it's my it's our heritage. You know what? Racism is not your heritage. And, you know, what's funny is it always it made me think of uh, history books when Ben and I were in high school. They really gloss over the Civil War and they'll say things like there were many economic and social. No, there was there was one reason. The impending loss of their free labor force was absolutely the cause of the Civil War. It's ridiculous. It's a horrible, and he just, and I get more frenzied as the song goes along because that line about go back to Africa, that is, I can't even think of a word to describe how insensitive, incendiary, and unbelievably callous and horrible that that line is. They weren't lining up to come to America. So to go back to Africa is so incredibly infuriating to me. And I have no, I I'm just a middle-aged white guy from the suburbs and it still makes me crazy. It just reminds I me mean, and I, it a bad, I, the line that it, I feel that uh, closest to that I, I always link with it is, if you don't like it, leave. Thank God the colonists didn't think that way, motherfucker. I mean, that's not the whole way it's set up. <laughs> if you don't like it, you're supposed to try to change it. Uh, it's just, I just, uh, there's so much stuff in here I can say. It's amazing. It drives me crazy and I love to feel like this. Remember how I said at the I beginning... I love to be an angry uh, young man.
0: You guys, uh, we try and keep it PG-13 unless oh. you feel passionate about yeah. something. Yeah. Here we go, Wayne. But- you you are passionate about this. There's not going to be any editing whatsoever on, on, on that because I think we all agree with that sentiment.
2: The, you know, and, and it's just everything about it is... I I, I think ahead of its time is a, is a great way to put it in terms of that. Now it would be a lot easier to... to have a song like this, I think, and release it as a single. I, I think that th- those sort of things are a little bit more commonplace. But to drop that into what you believe is party music, you know, hold my hand, only want to be with you. Those th- here, we're the guys that are running around with the sports center anchors. Well, and here's our fifth single, "Drowning," where I'm really talking about as a you know as a as a black lead singer, the things that affect me, and I'm singing. A, you know, I'm talking about Nancy Griffith. Uh, you know, it's a hard life where uh, wherever you go, and talking about the fat man. You know, calling. Black people trash to his children. He's the only trash here I see. That sort of stuff that that is really interesting. I mean, it's it's it kind of slipped under the radar. And it goes back to what Casey said earlier about it: is they they did they Trojan horse a lot of really great deep stuff into party rock, uh, or making you think that it was party rock. Yeah, and it's it's a song that 1995 Jeff wouldn't have have necessarily we didn't have the internet so i wasn't looking at the lyrics as much and i I wasn't thinking about as much i i I got some of the racial stuff but i didn't i don't think i dove into it the same way at that time and and it's it's a song that's risen heavily for me over the years is one of my favorites on the album ryan what do you got
3: yeah i couldn't agree more jeff how you know i didn't really realize what this was in 1995 but you know you know do today and i wrote down you know at this time, were there were there any other African American fronted bands like this with all white other members that were this popular, this big on the radio? And and to think about maybe what he could have been going through with some different things. And like I said before, nicest guys in the world, you know, you know, these guys, you know, Darius at that Pittsburgh show, I'll tell you a quick story. People were buying him shots left and right. Okay. It's a little thousand person club. They're buying Darius, you know, shots, and he's, you know, he's cheering and everything. And at one point, he goes, "Hey, why don't you buy these white guys behind me working their asses off some shots?" You know, the whole crowd is white, and you're buying every drink you're buying is for the black guy, or whatever. And he's and he was just sort of joking about it. He's like, "Hey, you know, buy these white guys some shots." And it was all it was all good. But uh, you know, I'll tell you what, this is my five, and I again I feel bad about this because I'll tell you what, out of this whole album, this might be. The most powerful live song of this of these twelve, like they kill this song live. It's it's awesome, and um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say.
0: And and I will and I will say this: this is not a song that they used to play a lot, and it's and it's really only come back. You know the the last tour where you know they they it was pretty heavy on cracked review, but I looked at set list. And, um, back in the, the, the mid nineties when they were touring a lot, this was not a song that they, that, 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 they played a lot. And I have a, I have a feeling that there was a, probably a little, little bit of a blowback because, because of the message. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm completely wrong on this, but no,
1: I, I mean, it's the fifth single that, I mean, I'm not the the yeah. other song I'm not saying that the other songs aren't really good and I don't know that it could have done any better than the fourth single but you can't tell me that the record company was excited to have them put this out as a single yeah. I,
2: I compare them a little bit too at the time you know if you think about like Living Color when I listened to Living Color I knew what they were singing about a little bit more they were a little bit louder about it they were a little more aggressive about it and and I think that they weren't hiding and so. People don't get Inception the same way. They could look at him and go, "I don't think this is for me." Whereas Hootie was able to, and I'm sure that the A and R guys had issues with that too. Of like, if we put this out and give away their cover, uh, you know that that might be an issue too. Uh, when they start singing about the, you know, the flag on the State House wall, you might lose some of those yeah. some of those uh, those fans as well. And so there's a yeah, little well, bit more of a risk. I to mean, it.
1: Public Enemy that's referenced yeah. in the in the song NWA, like they they don't that the one thing i love about both those bands is they don't they they they're absolutely you know what they're talking about and they're not pulling any punches and so they these guys did they 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 rope-a-doped you know the the uh middle-class america right into it and that's that's good that's how things change Mm -hmm. genius
0: Casey, we've monopolized this conversation.
4: <laughs> no, it's good. Though. I mean, I gave this a ten. This is this is that middle chunk of the record for me is so strong. Um, and you guys have already said anything I would I would have said. You know, I just think that um, this is this is one that sort of differentiated the people who were listening to the music and the people who were paying attention. Yeah. Um, you know, like if if you were paying attention, then then you know, you either loved this song or hated it or you weren't paying attention and, and you know, however long down the road, you're like, Oh, wait a second. What's, why is the golf guy singing about Confederate flag on the state? Oh, you what know, like... P. E. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this is just, I mean, I, this is another one of those instances of, of, I think really, really strong writing.
0: Yeah. And I'm, so I'm thinking about Darius's solo career. So you guys realize that his first record, as a solo artist, was not country. Yeah. He tried. He tried to go the R and B route first. It it wasn't real great. I liked a couple of songs off of it, but it wasn't real great. And I wonder. I, I've always kind of wondered about this with the so the, the the country music folks have really embraced him coming over to country. I think Ryan, you mentioned that this was kind of like this was. This was a little bro
3: country before bro country was a thing. Definitely. And, and if you watch some interviews with Darius, you know, he, he grew up, you know, uh, surrounded by country music. So country, the, he did not go over to country music just to try to, you know, sell records and be popular and have the solo career in country. He, he truly loves country music. He's so excited to be a member of the Grand Ole Opry. He's got 10 number one country hits. I mean, um, you know, and and I give
0: him kudos. Yeah. Yeah, And I give him kudos for it because Mm -hmm. how many of you guys can name more than two black country artists ever?
3: Right. So you got Charlie Pride.
0: Okay. There's one. I knew
2: he stole stole one of mine.
0: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Neil McCoy, Kane Brown. Uh, Kane Brown. Kane Kane Brown, Mickey Guyton. Now, Mickey, who's just fantastic. Yes. There isn't much. Right. Like that is not, that's not a community that embraces black artists. And I just read a really mean spirited article about Mickey Guyton recently. And it pissed me off. It really pissed me off. So the fact that they've embraced, you know, Darius as, as a solo artist are they going back and listening to Drowning and realizing that? I don't know.
2: I don't know. I kind and, of, I know, kind of doubt got, it. Probably now you've got a guy like Jason Isbell who's singing about a lot of these sorts of things too. You know, yeah. And that was the thing when you were talking about turning. Me but on. he's not country. No, no, he's not.
0: He's not the bro country I, I, that I'm I talking understand about. He's
2: not. But I mean, you know that. And that was the thing when I saw it, when you were trying to talk me into Isbell, it was like, ah, is that just is that just more of that sort of country? And and getting into it, I realized it wasn't. But that was it. It was singing about things like this and, and and is doing that a lot more than people would have been in 1994, for sure. That There is more yeah. of these conversations that are happening in music, but this is a an older version.
3: And also, in his tour, Darius plays uh, a couple Hootie songs in his Darius Rucker country tour. Okay. And on their Hootie tour, they played All Right and Wagon Wheel by, quote-unquote, Darius Rucker. So he does, <laughs> you know... Uh, mix That's that,
4: mix that
3: in. Yeah, right,
4: right, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are. I think the thing that you you guys kind of hit on, but but missed by just a little bit. There are a lot. You know, like Linda Martell, um, Rhiannon Giddens. I guess you could you could consider country. Yeah. Uh, Donna Mason. You know, there are there are a lot of, of black artists historically who are country music artists. They we a lot of people just don't hear about them because that industry right. is is built by white people who, who have not given, have not made room, you know, or not only have not made room, but have historically excluded oh, black sequins artists. Sequins and big hair. Um, so, yeah, and, that, and that's kind of what, you know, like, that. that's what you were getting at, is that there's a power structure in place in Nashville that that is only recently starting to loosen, and I, I think you're right. I mean, I think that, you know, I think still a song like Drowning on maybe more acceptable if if you're an americana artist or if you're you know even by pop music standards now but i still think that that particular song would have a tough time cracking country radio if it were released today
3: you know what else you just made me think of casey that's interesting too Is you think of a song like desert mountain showdown or um you know even las vegas nights on on a couple of their other you know on their other another album you know they, they you can hear some country things coming yeah. You know, from Darius is right, from I agree. Writing, like sure.
1: this is I don't think it's an unreasonable transition based on just even this record. There are no. elements mm-hmm. of of like there was no Americana at the time, but there is Americana roots on this album. I mean, John Mellencamp and R.E.M. can both you can say the combination of those two is mm-hmm. is a lot mm-hmm. of what Americana is. It's it's yeah, not a big I- leap for him to go country.
4: It's not, and I think that that the reason that the solo record that leaned a little more R and B didn't work is because it just is not. It's Darius is a great singer, um, and he's a great, great performer. He's a good, he's a great writer, but that just seems a little bit out of his wheelhouse. Like the my, one of my least favorite Hootie songs, cover or otherwise, is the Bill Withers "Use Me" cover. Like the, it just okay. they don't they don't catch the groove very well. The delivery isn't, I think, doesn't isn't what the song calls for. Um, and it just seems like like delivering com- the the kind of songs that Hootie played and the kind of songs that Darius has played more in his solo career fit him a little better for whatever reason. And like you know, it just could be a case of him being more comfortable singing that way or whatever it is. But but it doesn't surprise me you know to know that the that the R and B record didn't pan out as well as some of the country stuff. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, uh, this is my ten. Wayne, your score.
4: Oh,
1: you're going to hate this, but I'm switching this with my seven. This is my nine.
0: Yeah, so I redo hate you. Can we do your spreadsheet? I, no, I can't do it. Um, mostly because I've already got three other screens up. Um, all right, Jeff, your score. This is my ten. We're
2: seven deep, and this is the first double digit I have, so I'm backloaded on this album.
0: Uh-oh. All right, yeah. Ryan, your score.
4: That's uh, my five.
0: Okay. Casey? Uh,
4: I have. I, this is my ten.
0: Okay. All right. Next one is time. time. All right, fourth single off the record. Um, Peaked at number 14 on the Hot 100, but this was all over Adult Contemporary. Like Again, this was one of the other songs that was played every 20 minutes. Um, Jeff, what do you got on time? This is one of the songs that's played every 20 minutes that never burned out for me, uh, the same way that some of the other maybe
2: popular feeling ones did a little bit. I didn't get the same fatigue. And I think, again, he has inception some really great themes in the middle of this one. Um, you know, he's talking about children killing in the street, dying for the color of a rag, uh, which, of course, you know, was very big very, you very know, nice. in the early 90s. Uh, time, take their red and blue, wash them in the ocean, make them clean. Maybe their mothers won't cry tonight. And it's, it, it's just, this is a great, great song to me. This is... Uh, you know really it, and it's got a, a great energy and it's got a great upbeat vibe but it's bringing in a lot of themes and and and, and even just the idea of time the the idea of of time as a concept and, and as an old man now um significantly younger than you but still old uh i i have uh i have not a greater significant not significant i, <laughs> I have a greater you, appreciation. you only think it's, it's not, barely it's not significant at all um uh, <laughs> substantially that's what the word, right word is substantially younger um <laughs> Yeah, that the whole idea, the the longing, the mournfulness about time in general in the song just hits me really, really hard at this point in life. So I, it's a fantastic song, I think.
0: Wayne, I want to say this. On time? So
1: I I I do think that a um, time as a as a as a song subject has maybe been done a bit. I that wasn't the I, the one thing I love about it though is like the gang reference that you mentioned. The next verse about washing it in the ocean that really hits home for me now because i I had watched this documentary like most most young men that grow up in south central in south central la have never been to the ocean like they don't usually there was some sort of they usually don't leave the 10 you know 10 block radius that they that they grew up in Um, so that ocean line really coupled with that gang line is once again ahead of his time like it's it's extremely profound, but the rest of the song, it's not that I disliked it. It's that I feel like songs about time. I feel like everybody in the nineties had a song about time and how it was fleeting and changing.
4: Yeah. I, I like the lyric to this one. Um, I don't, something about the, the melody is just really like it, it get it's a little monotonous to me melodically. Um, and, and, and the, the repetition, I think, does what he wants it to as a lyric, but when I'm listening to it, it's a little bludgeoning to me at times. <laughs> um.
3: Yeah, um, this is my nine. Uh, huge hit. I'm fascinated with sequencing of an album. You know, I get down through the album and you get to this song, and I'm thinking, this song could absolutely sit at two, three, four. I think it's that good. Great guitar lick. It's a very simple C chord up and down with with Darius opening and mark and sony filling in and you know the last thing you know i wrote how it builds really good like a lot of their songs on this and i think this solo by mark is the best on the cd it's very clean and perfect i think it it just fits the song really really well and if you want the last thing i'll say about this is if you want to know what it was like to go see hootie live in 1995 go watch this video on youtube it will tell you what it was like we know (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> Jeff, 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 and I saw it in '95. Oh, yeah. We know, we know, <laughs> yeah. we know. All right,
0: '95. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah. All right. Um, scores, Jeff. What do you got? This is my eleven, second favorite on the album. Okay, Wayne. Seven. Jerk, making me change my <laughs> scores here. All right, Ryan. I
1: never do that.
3: This is my nine.
0: All right, Casey. Uh, five. All right. And since Wayne is changing his scores, I'm dropping mine from a nine down to a seven. You guys are rebels. Because I'm I'm right there with you. That when Casey, when you brought that up, I'm like, that whole refrain of time, time, yeah. That I can't give it a nine, just for that. I'm being nitpicky now. All right, uh, look away is next.
5: You
2: she said, I love
0: you so. And this did not score super high for any of us. Um I
2: think there's an interesting theme in
0: it that I think that he I believe
2: that he again is probably talking about race in this and I don't know it for sure. Yep. But my suspicion is that that's why the girl has to break up with him or not yep. be around him is her dad's home and and that's not okay. That's that's my suspicion. He doesn't beat us over the head with it. But I'm guessing he experienced that a time or two growing up, dating somebody and, and maybe couldn't uh, continue because of the color of his skin.
0: Yeah. Is he doing a callback when he when he's talking about couldn't let her be? Is he, mm-hmm. is he going back to let her cry? I think so. Are they interconnected at all?
4: I think so. I've always, although...
0: I've, I've always wondered that.
4: Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and I think that that, you know, one song referencing another is cool and, and sort of like pulling a thread through the record is cool. But to me, there's nothing that happens in this song that doesn't happen much better elsewhere on the record. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that, too. Um, yeah. yeah,
2: But I do like the idea of him maybe subtly talking about that, that idea that he maybe wasn't allowed to date somebody or they weren't allowed to date him, uh, you know, because of skin color and... and I think, rather than beating us over the head with it, that's kind of interesting. But it just doesn't quite go anywhere big enough for me. Yeah.
4: All right. Yeah, it's really like... I mean, not to, like, nitpick Darius's writing. It just is, like, there's a lot of specificity that's lacking that could have made this a really interesting song, a really interesting character study, and it's it just seems almost like you know, on the one hand, maybe a thread to kind of tie the record together. But on the other hand, it just seems like a lot of cast off like lines that didn't make the cut for other songs.
3: Yeah, yeah. Casey, it's so funny you said that. Cause I was just reading a note that said the lyrics are simple enough that others can relate, but not too specific. And, and that can be a good thing to be vague, to allow other people to create their own emotion from the song. But yeah, yeah, I gave this a pretty low score, but I sort of was changing my mind as I went back and listened more. Um, Another power vocal here, and Lily Hayden's violin is, is really good on this, too, again. Uh, yeah. She plays on two songs, and this is the, the second one. Um, yeah, great power vocal, just not one of my favorites. Uh, I think I gave this a, t- a three. This is my yep. three. Yeah,
0: this is my three as well. Wayne?
1: Yeah, this is my four, and I I, I agree with exactly what Casey said. I think there's it's too... It's too vague there's it's too vanilla like there there's and it ends at two it's like 238 so it feels like there's more to be said like he this is it's Mm. fairly repetitive like he he i i say i know there's more the guy who wrote uh drowning is is holding back
0: yeah
4: all right casey your score yeah i gave this was my two um okay i think that the and this is like this is just an aside but like i i think that if you whittle this record down to 10 songs, it's almost perfect. Uh, if you, if you take a couple of agree. songs off of this record, it's almost perfect. Yeah. And yeah. This, this this is one of the songs that's like, you could cut that. There's no reason for this to be on here.
0: Yeah. All right. Next song Not Even the Trees.
5: Lying down in Charleston under the Carolina sky.
0: And since I have the benefit of seeing everybody scores, Jeff, I love this. Take it away. I just
2: Love this song, man. And when I saw the the um, the group therapy tour, uh, this live just absolutely cemented it. And I just think it's a, it, it's just I don't know whatever reason, I, it's become to me the the song that I find the most beautiful on the album, and uh, something something about it. And and again, he's dealing. I, He's dealing with death and themes of death and, and being taken too soon, and I think he paints pictures in this in a way that that uh, while he's not dealing with the race stuff that he is with drowning and that, it's still very deep to me. And uh, he's dealing with things of, you know, mourning and tired of feeling this pain and uh, tired of living my own little lie and and all that sort of stuff. That I, I just I just for whatever reason this song moves me more than others. And that going back to what Casey was talking about earlier about whether you like or don't like the song. This is this just moves me more. So
0: it's my top song. Mm, cool. Got it. Casey, anything on this one?
4: No, it's good. I gave I think I gave this an eight. I have to double check. Yeah, I gave this an eight. Um, it's it's one of my favorites on the record. It's not like. Top tier on the record for me, but it's it's good and I I think that you know everything that I would say about it has already been said more eloquently. (laughs) So
0: this is the one that I'm changing to a nine instead. So I flip flop time and and not even the trees and I'm gonna tell you how I Wayne and I really messed up our top five here with uh with us (laughs) flip-flopping this is why we don't do this during 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 the process because it screws everything up all right wayne um you didn't like this as much as the rest Uh, of us you
1: know what the top half of the album was much uh i felt i i was i liked more this one i i like what i mean i like what he's saying i think there's even an element of going away from this it's not a Charleston's not a small town, but it's a different kind of town than Columbia. He goes off to college and he comes back and I don't you know, his his family's scattered and he doesn't fit in. You know, it's definitely a you can't go home feeling to it. I gave it a three, but it's it's not as if if I didn't like it. It's just that yeah, yeah. That's where it ranked in the twelve songs.
0: I
3: got it. All right. So did I get
0: everybody's scores for that? Uh, not Ryan's. Really. Uh, yeah,
3: this is my seven, but I'll tell you what, Ben. There are times where this is my twelve. This, yeah. uh, you know, Jeff, you know, couldn't agree more. Um, this is incredible live. It, I love the "I'm a Stranger" in my the way he wails on "I'm a Stranger in My Home." That line, and you know, this builds. You know, you think of some REM songs that build. This song builds like some of those great REM songs.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that REM reference is very poignant for this. Actually he does a nice job the same way that they do of, of getting that song that starts out maybe a little innocuous. And then by the end, it just, just especially live complete and total goosebumps by the
0: time I was done with this song. Absolutely. Yeah. And I hate you guys. Cause the last time I saw them, they did not play this live. Oh. So this just, and, kills. and my friends were like, was there any song that you didn't hear? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't hear it. Not even you, the trees. If
3: you ask me, yeah, which one is the best live of these 12? It, it's this one.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, you could have. I could have easily taken their cover of losing my religion for, and replace it with this one. Yeah, I still got yeah. that and this. So you know, I mean, if we're well, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, all right. Next song is
5: goodbye. Love, I would give a now and we'll walk away so easily. So maybe while we're young we'll figure out together that even with the pain that the rebel
0: we'll And really this is the album closer, but we are going to score motherless child which is coming up here next um i i knocked this down i gave this my two and not that i don't like this song but like i don't always love album closers that are super mellow dramatic like sometimes i just want
1: with cliches
0: and and riddled with cliches, yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, yeah. doesn't
2: feel like a Hootie song to me. That's one of my issues with it. It doesn't. It's a great Darius Darius vocal song, and the piano and the and the the organ are are both there, you know. And it, it's not musically it's it's not that it's a bad song, but I don't think it feels much like a, a Hootie song on this at this point.
4: Yeah, I, I I gave it a four. I think the arrangement is good. Um... But it just is. It's a lot. It's it's another one of those where it's like, man, if you, if you were going to cut two songs from the record, this would be one of them. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, yeah, it, it just is not his strongest writing. Um, and it's a bummer because it is, for all intents and purposes, the record closer. And that, for me, like the record closer is a great opportunity, I think, for, you know, I've always loved when a band kind of gives you a hint of what the next record is going to be with the song that closes the record. Um. And I, I, I think that like, that's, you know, that's, that's the period on, you know, this is your debut record, you know, that this is the way that this is the last thing people are going to hear on your debut record. I think that there, it it just doesn't close the record very strongly. It's kind of an afterthought.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Casey, uh, it's also my four. I, I wrote down, you know, breakup song. They've ended a lot of, a lot of shows with this. Uh, tons of vocal power on this song, and I wrote down, you know, the piano's nice. And I wrote down the song "Night Swimming" by REM mm. is what this reminds me of because it kind of just flows along like "Night Swimming," which is which I love that song. Like uh, "Night Swimming" is a better song than "Goodbye," first of all, <laughs> but but like um, leaps and bounds, y- yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but but it, not it, even close. But if it just came, that song came to my mind, you know, going back and listening to this a few times, That's and it. um. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but, sorry. Anyway, uh the end. Go yeah, go ahead.
0: <laughs> no, I was just I was just I'm I'm apologizing to Wayne because he's I, I was being the aggressor for, for the Okay, no, like
1: I it has a I think it even in the beginning it has a little bit of a standby me vibe. I just thought okay. it was it's riddled with cliches. I mean the, it opens up with a reference to Annie's uh to Annie and then there's what is it, house ain't no home, nothing lasts forever, like Don't take any wooden nickels. This whole thing is just full of. (laughs) It's it's not. I I would normally at first I thought well I would normally give a a song that ends a record with the title goodbye. I think I I like that. It's super cheesy, but for whatever reasons I like things in order, and so technically you're linear. Yeah, I'm absolutely linear, and I I did technically give it an extra point. I gave it a two, which if if the last song didn't exist, I would have gave it a one. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, technically it did get extra points. So,
0: so going back to the sequencing. So, one of the things, Casey, that I love about Nowhere Nights is that you f- you finish strong on that album. So, you know, Real Gone is last song. Before that is like Teenage Gravity, and then I Was a Photograph, I believe, is the the one right before mm-hmm. Gravity, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you freaking end a record. Like you made me want. <laughs> no, this is what made this is what made me a fan is that you made me want more. After I was done listening to those three songs, I'm like, I cannot wait for his next record. When well, is when is that coming out?
4: Yeah, thank you. And that's what I I that's what you know I kind of just said was like that. Real Gone is is louder and sort of sprawling than most of the stuff that's on Nowhere Nights. And the next yeah. record was Heart of a Dog, which was there were a lot of louder kind of muscular rock songs right um and I, and I, I like it when bands do that when bands don't treat the end of an album like no one's gonna make it that far in the record right. like I, I feel like if it, you know like i try to give whoever's listening to my record the benefit of the doubt that they're gonna go the whole way through it like i didn't just write six songs and then try and find four to tack onto the end of it i wrote 10 songs that i thought worked together yeah um Yeah. And, and I, you know, I'm not that, and maybe there's a, there's a very important reason that the band chose this song to put at the end of the record. And, and I certainly wouldn't, can't speak for them, but it just did not feel that way to me. Like you get to, to, um, you know, the song right before this is the perfect record closer. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, that's, Total, totally that's how agree. you go out. Yeah. There's no reason to put this song at the end of Everything the record. Everything
2: about it feels yeah. like an record closer. I mean, it's got that emotional, yeah. Thing, yeah. the goosebump feels. It's got all that sort of stuff. A great record closer. And they, they opened their encore with this when I saw them. And it was the same feeling of, like this isn't quite the energy to me of coming back. Why do you keep, why do you keep bringing that up? Yeah. That you
5: saw the
0: song, <laughs> yeah, but that's not cool. Jeff, that's not so, cool. Yeah.
2: I, I, I give it a two as well. I'm, I'm a two on this one. Yeah. All right. Did I get everybody's scores on this? I think so. You, me and Wayne right. two, And Ryan and Casey give it a four yeah. Four. yeah.
0: All right. Last but not least is the, and this, look, this isn't even a hidden track. All right, this is this so so motherless child. No, when I put my CD in, there is twelve tracks.
1: Is it, the twelfth one titled? It's just not titled. Yes, there,
0: is it? it's just not titled. It is not on the the, the back. Is the title hidden track? track? No. So it even though it doesn't doesn't say on the back of the CD, so it ends with eleven, but there is. There is a twelfth
2: track that, that goes to Motherless you're saying Child that because it wasn't like buried deep in track eleven after some yeah right. like blank
1: space right. after eleven, right. and then. Which I'll be honest, I, pref- yeah, I prefer. Yeah, this, this isn't this this isn't yeah, Nirvana. This isn't Nirvana. Never mind. By nineteen ninety five, a hidden track was obligatory in anybody. Yeah, any <laughs> any adult contemporary alternative bands you had to have. You had to have an, a hidden track. And I,
2: pref- I prefer it this way. I prefer when they track it out instead of like... Yep, me too. Yeah, so it.
1: you don't have to listen to it. Right, yes. right.
2: Or so you don't have to listen to six minutes of silence or, you know, subtle distortion or droning or whatever to then come upon the hidden track. Yeah. 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 I feel what's like it
0: you're the hidden, a fool of. What's the hidden track on Nirvana's Nevermind?
1: Oh, I don't even... Know. I can't even recall the name. It's... Listen, yeah. I've only it's, listened to it twice out of the thousand times I've listened to that CD.
4: It's uh, it's called "Endless Nameless." Is the new That's it, mm. and it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> no, it's not good. It's a track that should have stayed <laughs> hidden.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, it's the same as Green Day. They let they let the drummer sing. Yeah, yeah. Right. All right, Also <laughs> not good. <laughs> yeah. also, so, man. real quick,
3: what's the best hidden track of all time? Uh, Ooh, from I the
1: all time or the '90s? Because I got to give Alanis Morissette. Uh, Ooh. What was that hers' is... I'm drawing a my, blank on Your my house, head,
0: but... your house. Yeah,
2: well, yeah, your well, house. Ben, the you, end, that's you fantastic. Pill. You thought that uh, the end of uh, Yankee Ho- Hotel Foxtrot was a hidden track, so that was a pretty great one, considering <laughs> you didn't think it was actually on the album, right? Reservations, that's a pretty great... Uh, yeah. But
0: that's only because you did Reservations was a <laughs> hidden track. Uh, <laughs> didn't, only because you... I didn't uh, have enough space You didn't inclu- the
2: CD, so I just cut off yeah, the last Yeah, you didn't song. have enough
0: space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Anyways, go listen to the Del Murphy episode for that whole, (laughs) that whole issue. All right. Um, So collectively, this is a one, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And his
0: his voice on is really kind of
2: absolutely. Uh, It
1: highlights his voice. Yeah, for sure. It just doesn't really soulful. It's acapella, so it really highlights that. But we already we already glean that from the first eleven tracks. Yeah, I agree. He's got a, a an amazing voice. It's unique. It's it's deep but it's not too deep it's it's amazing and so this was unnecessary
3: yeah i mean i wrote down you know how many lead singers from this time frame would be able to pull off an acapella thing at the end of their album i don't think it's that many i mean there's a lot of great singers nice but um i just wrote i'd rather have i'd rather have i i go blind almost home fine line whatever here but not here i'd actually have i'd rather have not even the trees be last And throw in I Go Blind, you know, somewhere else.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I guess if I think of it as kind of a reference to the to Richie Haven's freedom, um, it's it's cool. It's a cool. Uh, Yeah, it's a cool little like Easter egg or something. Um, But as a as a it's not it's kind of a throwaway track. Um, Yeah. You know, yeah, I think it's a one. To to answer the greatest hidden track question, the answer to me is a track that was not supposed to be a hidden track, but was not uh, didn't appear printed on the early pressings. You gonna the say London. Train in vain. I'm gonna say Train in Vein. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. it doesn't get much better than that. All right. Yeah. It does not.
0: That's that's we yeah yeah go listen to the London Calling episode yep. and you can you can you can hear yes. all about why that track is so important to me all right um did we cover everything did we miss anything? we
1: did
2: it man
0: got it all I think, I think we, we did. got five it.
1: of us we better
0: yeah for sure yeah. all right so here was here was the original top five before Wayne and I screwed around with our with our scores all right fast and Num- number one with an average score of 8.8 only want to be with you we had a tie for second which is uh, Time and Let Her Cry, average score 8.6. 8.4 gets us Drowning at four, and uh, Running From An Angel, average score of eight. That's our top five. Now, after we messed around with our scores, Only Wanna Be With You is still top, but now it's tied with Drowning. And we, third is Letter Cry. Fourth is Running from an Angel. And we now have a three way tie for fifth, <laughs> which is Hannah Jane, Hold My Hand, and Not Even the Trees.
1: I feel like we, that's Rats Ryan. Uh, that's Casey's record right there.
0: Yeah. There we go. <laughs> that's there that's it, it is. Yeah. That's there we it. Go. So, anyways, I look. I love, I love this record, and I don't care who knows it. Mm-hmm. I, I, can, I can enjoy so many different... Look, all you have to do is look at my Twitter feed and see all the various different kinds of, of genres that I listen to. I'm all over the place. Today, today alone, let's see, I listen to Morrissey, Jimi Hendrix... Um, I listen to this hootie. Um, I listen to Sam Phillips. Not all of not all of it is on Twitter. I don't post everything that I'm listening to.
4: I would say give it three to five years, and and you will be at the vanguard of a movement. Championing this record, I, I truly, truly think that the way that people are starting to come back around to Counting Crows with this newest release and seeing it chart on the Americana charts, there's going to be like Rucker is going to be revered as a songwriter and singer the way he should be. It won't be long from now. Yeah, I hope. I, I, hope, I, so. Truly that. I hope so. I hope so.
2: I do. I, I, it's always irritated me a, a little bit how many haters there are of this and how how much I, I've had to crow about it and and take the. The slings and arrows, and uh, I'm pretty unapologetic in my enjoyment of it. And seeing them live really has helped that as well. They're, wow. they're just a they're they're a. Solid didn't they man. play
1: not even the trees at that show? <laughs> they did. They played that one. That <laughs> yep. Wow. Uh, they, they don't play E2, that. Every- yep. E2, yep. E2 Brute. Oh <laughs> uh, man. They, 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 they also played it in Pittsburgh. Um, Losing my religion yep.
2: at that show, so I got that mm-hmm. cover as well, and I didn't have to give it up. I didn't have to
0: give up not even the trees, so yeah thanks all wayne right. for reminding me it
1: was a good time a good <laughs> just time. trying to help
0: all right casey where can people find you
4: people can find me at caseyandersonmusic.com. that's k-a-s-e-y-a-n-d-e-r-s-o-n music.com and on twitter and instagram at least deaf like the opposite of most deaf that's l-e-a-s-d-e-f <laughs>
0: love it yeah, i awesome. love
4: that's
0: it fantastic. ryan where can people find you Oh sure,
4: I'm semi-retired
3: from music at this time, but uh, I do have an album on Spotify called "Driving Home" with uh, maybe one good song out of the twelve on there. But I wrote the whole thing and had really fun time <laughs> doing it, and uh, you know learned a lot from the process, and and have a huge appreciation for for what Casey does and you know what what these guys do. It's 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 really hard. It's really impressive, and um, yeah, I, I will I will always try to play live music as as long as I uh, am above the ground. But uh, yeah, uh, there's some stuff on YouTube, uh, Ryan Matthew, and uh, Driving Home on Spotify.
0: Excellent.
2: Jeff? At Jeff Makes Jokes on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and then uh, the podcast at WDIF Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And it's the Who Did It First podcast. Uh, some fun and uh, comedy as well as some learning.
0: Excellent. So, as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes. Just go to recordsrevisitpodcast.com for that. I'm at Podcast Records on Twitter, Facebook page. Just search for Records Revisited Podcast. Wayne is on the Instagram. Wayne, where are you there? At Records Revisited Podcast. Okay. And and sometimes he might even um, announce what, what wow. episode is going on wow. that week. Sometimes. All right. Wow. Sorry, I had to throw that shot. All right, uh, and then, and then of course, go join our Patreon. You can get episodes a week early, and um, you know you can be like Ryan if you want to join us to talk about one of your favorite records at the guest revisitor level. You could join us on an episode to talk about whatever you want to talk. You want to talk Fairweather Johnson? We'll do that. Awesome. We'll, we'll do that. Nowhere Nights, you want to talk with Nowhere Nights, we'll do
4: that. You want to talk about so Nowhere Just, Nights, I'll come back and talk about Nowhere Nights with you, uh, f-
0: Records Revisited fan-, fan. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, so go to patreon.com slash podcast for all, all the details. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Make sure you go to a live show now that our, our favorites are getting back out there. Make sure you buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, and go visit a record store. And not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited, and we are... Ouch! Ouch. Ouch.